Welcome to Bollywood is for Lovers, part of the Alberta Podcast Network. Locally grown, community supported. I'm Aaron Fraser. And I'm Matt Bose. This episode, we're letting you do all the work as we're answering a bunch of listener questions. So get in the driver's seat and we're going to hang out in the back and, uh, you know, try not to be too annoying. Well, we have to answer all the questions. Okay, we'll be the navigators to the listeners' drivers. Sure. Okay. Uh, before we begin, do you get my metaphor here? I no, I really don't. <laughs> okay. Uh, before we begin, we would like to respectfully acknowledge that we record this podcast on Treaty Six territory, traditional lands of First Nations and Métis people. Uh, we didn't write it on an intro, so that was on the fly. This is free balling it, people. <laughs> You're, we're beyond the looking glass here. Uh, so, hi, Matt. Hi. Hi. Uh, I spend all day with you, every day with you. <laughs> Not today. That's true. You went out today, and I stayed home and vacuumed and watched I've, the Babysitter's Club. Because I forgot to do some of my work at my work, so yeah. I had to go do that. Yeah. Uh, so I had a this... McDonald's hamburger for the first time since January. Gross. And it was amazing. Well, you're having salad for dinner to make up for it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, uh, so this was supposed to be our 100th episode, and we thought... For our Wouldn't it be fun? Yeah, to for ask our, our 100th episode, we would ask our listeners um, to send us their questions, so we could have a little like question, like a Q and A section of the 100th episode. We thought, uh, yeah, that would be fun. But then we got 60 questions, Matt. Yeah, and I didn't think that there was any way we could fit. 60 questions as well as a discussion of Mother India. That's the film that we're going to be discussing uh, for our 100th episode and, you know, kind of some other looking back at the past um, 100 plus episodes of the podcast into that It's actually like 116, I think. Yeah, I think this will be like the 117th thing we post. So the 100th episode will be like the 118th episode. But this is a supplemental episode. Yeah. It's, you know, the kind of... They're no holds barred. The the Q&A episode. It's the mailbag episode. Uh, You you guys more than delivered on our... came through. On our request for questions, so instead of answering them in our 100th episode, we now have a whole episode to answer questions. So you better download this one too. <laughs> and yes, we're very we're very loose. Instead of all the formality that we will the pretend, pomp and the circumstance, yeah, that we'll put in to our <laughs> the next production episode. values, the song. Well, I'll like I'll write an actual intro for the next episode. But for this one, we're yeah. just uh, we're doing it live. We're freeballing it. Doing it live. So we got 60 questions. Uh, Some of them were kind of the same, so I put them together. Yeah. But we, we'll still say who said each one. Yeah. And, and we really, we sincerely want to thank everyone who sent us in their questions. I was, Except for Devin. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was really, hey, Devin sent his like last night. Yeah. Uh, oh, and f- except for AJ, who did not send his in. Oh, yeah. Uh, I was really nervous about doing this. You had kind of said in the past like we should do a Q&A episode those are always fun to listen to mm-hmm. and I was really hesitant because I just thought no one would send us questions I was like no one cares about what I think about things I don't know why people listen to the show at all and so the whole idea I just thought would be embarrassing I just mm-hmm. thought it would I thought no one would ask us any questions uh so but then we got more than you anticipated yeah thank you guys so much it really it really does mean a lot um Though now I'm totally intimidated to answer all these questions. Okay, so is there is there anything you want to say before we get into some of these questions? We've grouped them into three categories. 
Yeah, podcast business, Hindi movies, and miscellaneous and personal. So we're going to do podcast, Hindi, personal, podcast, Hindi, personal, over and over again. Just so we're not in a rut of asking, you know, answering 40 questions about movies. Right. We need to break it up a little bit. Right. Yeah. So that's kind of how we're going to do this. Mm -hmm. Uh, And yeah, again, thank you for sending in your questions. All right, Matt, let's let's get into it. Our first question is a podcast business question. Uh, Came from our Facebook page from Saad Ilias. And Saad asks, how can I start my own Bollywood podcast and develop an audience? Did you guys advertise? Hmm. Okay. Well, step one, no, we never advertised. Basically, we've never advertised. Like we've never paid yeah. for advertisement. Um, what we did do, though, when we first did like maybe five episodes, we got everyone we know to download it. Yeah, yeah. We asked all of our friends, regardless of their interest in the show, if they could just download it to mm-hmm. to kind of help us out. And many did. Some are still downloading it, but have never listened to an episode. They're the true um, heroes. They never even hear our various screw-ups and boners. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I think, how do you start your own one? You just do it. I, well, I mean, I was going to say that we started this podcast because we wanted to listen to a podcast like this, mm-hmm. right? We wanted we wanted a podcast that talks about Bollywood movies, A, in English, yeah. B, and isn't... With a critical lens. With a critical lens. Like, isn't, yeah. isn't like, about the industry... And gossip and stuff, mm-hmm. and also um, isn't in kind of the um, more traditional podcast format of like making fun of things or mm-hmm. like these movies suck because I think those podcasts are terrible. Yeah, um, I think you know we occasionally t- talk about movies that we think suck uh, yeah. a lot of the time, but we're we're always going into a movie hoping to like it. So we wanted to hear a podcast like that, and it didn't exist. Mm-hmm. So then we made one. So to Saad, I'd say, what kind of podcast do you want to listen to that no one else is making? Mm. Make that podcast. Mm-hmm. Because if you're doing something that someone else is doing already, then no one's going to want to listen to yours because they've already liked the first one. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm not saying like I'm sort of a podcast guru who knows how to do things. In the grand scheme of things, I think our podcast is still relatively small. Yeah, and I, I mean, I don't, I think our audio quality has a lot of room for improvement. Our pronunciation of Indian names and titles has a lot of room for improvement. Like, there's a lot of room for improvement, but at the end of the day, I am proud of this show, and and I, I do it I do it for, for me, first and foremost. I really, really appreciate all of our listeners, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, this was a project. You want to have something uh, that you like. Yeah, this was a project for us because we were interested in Bollywood. And we couldn't find a show like this. And so we thought this was an opportunity to explore our interest. I would also tell Saad not to fall into the trap that we've seen with some other people where you get into podcasting because you like audio. And you like playing with microphones and mixing things. That's fun and all. But you actually have to be interested in your podcast topic first Mm -hmm. because you're going to run out of ways to you know, 
find new audio and like buy new gadgets and stuff. So like make sure that your podcast is good first and then spend the money or be like us and like just keep using the same mic that we bought a hundred episodes ago. Hey, we, we did get the, yeah, we got a little cap for it. The, yeah. There's the a little, little pop filter, the little foreskin or the, the condom, whatever you want to call it. I, it's a um. pop filter. Um, there's me going all gearhead again, but like, yeah, make sure you make a podcast that you would want to listen to and definitely do your research to see what else is out there. Yeah. And I will say we did about six months worth of research on Bollywood uh, before in general, we, yeah. in general, before we started the show, just to kind of see if this was something we truly were interested in. And we'd both done podcasts before, so yes. it, it wasn't. Well, I as, still do a podcast. Yeah, you do another one with yeah. Paul, but it's not a foreign concept to us. Yeah. As far as advertising, I mean, we started a Twitter account, we started a Facebook page, and I mean, mm-hmm. we still don't have an Instagram. Uh, I don't know what you do for a podcast Instagram. They're very popular. Yeah. But anyway, next question. Next question. So we're going to go on to a Hindi movie question, Matt. Uh, any chance of a Dilip Kumar and or Wahida Rayman episode or both combined in Ram or Shyam? This comes from Sophia Austin. Yes. Next question. <laughs> yeah. We should totally that do that. That sounds good. That sounds good. We'll do that. Um, long-time listeners will know that if you uh, write us a review, that's the quickest way to us thinking, yeah, we'll do that episode. So <laughs> write us a good review and say, hey, I wish they would do this and we'll do it. Uh, Sophia Austin uh, asked uh, several questions. So our next one is also from her. And she would like to know uh, our top three Ranveer Singh outfits. And I'm guessing these are outside of the movie world. Yeah, I, w- I was thinking she meant like red carpet looks or like mm-hmm. his streetwear. That sort of gold tuxedo thing he had, mm-hmm. that was good. Yeah, that was really good. I really like uh, the like fuzzy powder blue jacket that right, he yeah. wore in Berlin. He looked like Cookie Monster kind of. I thought that was great. Great. Yeah, that was a good one. Uh, and then anytime he's in a really well-tailored suit yeah. in a crazy pattern. Yeah, those are cool. I also like when he was doing Golly Boy promotions and kind of mm-hmm. dressed like a rapper. That was mm-hmm. good, too. Uh, we did not like Ranveer Ching, though. Bad look, Ranveer. Yeah, weren't into that. Okay, back to the top. Back to podcast business questions. Manish. Uh, the Manish 89. This um, is Manish Mather, the Prince of Hearts. Yes, past and future guest. Uh, any fun behind-the-scenes moments from recording or watching the movies? You fell out of a chair. I feel like that's no, a big No, I broke one. a chair. Yeah, you broke a chair. I broke a chair at your aunt's house while we were recording our Dilwale episode with uh, Juliet. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that footage is gone. Um, <laughs> that was crazy. We commented on it in the episode, but that was pretty funny. Yeah. I think Juliet and I laughed a lot. Yeah, the chair just spontaneously exploded out from under me. Yeah. There's been times... And in fact, that episode and, had a lot of high because yeah. we also discovered that the mic wasn't plugged in and we'd been recording with the computer. Yeah. Um, also, our episode on... Bollywood movies in Alberta. I sound like I'm in another room because you had the mic set up poorly. Yeah, these are various uh, boners and screw-ups on my part. For some reason, I think whenever we discuss Akshay Kumar, the sound quality goes down. <laughs> he's, he's haunting our podcast. Yeah. Uh, fun things that happened while watching movies. Uh, there was the time we were watching... Um, oh, what was it? Talash? No, the Varun Dawan movie, Budlapur. And it took about halfway through the movie until you realized, like, he's going to take those people into a room that's covered in plastic and kill them. Yeah. And then you were like, but you said that. And then I was like, huh, that's really specific. And then you were right. Yeah, the movie was starting to become really familiar to me. And I thought I'd just seen, like, a trailer. 
And then, yeah, halfway through the movie, I was like, oh, no, I've seen this whole movie before. And so then I told you what was going to happen in the next scene. I was like, oh, yeah, I've seen this before. Uh, I, I watched so many movies that I had just kind of forgotten. Yeah. Uh, Talash, <laughs> I called the supernatural element of that movie pretty early. Felt pretty good about that one. Yeah. Um, I mean, it is a lot of just sitting on the couch. Yeah, a lot of sitting on the sofa. Yeah. Uh, falling asleep during movies? Have done so. Oh, yeah, we both have. Yeah. You, unfortunately, didn't make it through... All five and a half hours of Gangze Wasipur? Yeah, yeah, I sat through five. Which and we I started fell at, like, seven o'clock. Like, I thought yeah. I did a pretty good job. Yeah. We order pizza a lot when uh, we have friends over to watch the movies Or we make a pizza. Yeah. We make it in the oven. We do that, too. So, yeah, I guess yeah. Those, those are the fun things that Once happen. people are allowed to come to other people's houses again, you know, <laughs> we can do some more of that. But right now, it's just us. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, Matt broke a chair once, and uh, we ordered pizza. Okay. Uh, Kimberly Tully asks, I would like to know both of your all-time three favorite Indian films. Okay, so this is tough because um, I don't watch that many South Indian movies. Right. Nor do I watch that many Bengali movies. I mostly watch Hindi, so it's and I don't watch Punjabi or anything. You watch more of those, mm-hmm. but um, hmm, let me look at my list. I'm gonna look at my list in Letterbox. You, you you can vamp on for a minute. I'd probably say Lutera. Yeah, it's my all-time favorite Hindi film. Uh, Om Shanti Om, mm-hmm. which I adore. And then I don't know. It's a tough question because I I do I love the films of Sayaji Rai, but. I don't... Are they in my top three? I don't feel... I admire them. I think they're 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 incredible. I mean, there's but a difference between... Like my, if I'm talking about, like, my personal top three... Yeah, exactly. That's, that's, that's different than just, like, the stuff that I think is the best and the most well-made films. Okay, so I'm looking at my list on Letterboxd. This is the Bollywood is for Lovers master list. Right. Which then I sorted according to my ratings. Mm-hmm. So, according to this... Uh, Bajram Astani. Mm. Love Bajram Astani. Yeah. Gangs of Wasipur. Amar Akbar Anthony. Om mm. Shanti Om. Uh, Dil Dadak and I thought was great. English for English. Uh, Article 15. Kind of a dark horse, but I, I, I like that one a lot. She only asked for three, Matt. Okay, fine. I'll keep the rest to myself. <laughs> Sorry, Kimberly. Uh, I'm going to... I'll put... Um... Bahubali. Also very, very good. I'll keep... Yeah. That, that might be great. top three for me. Yeah. And I, I think I'll put Angamali Diaries. Another amazing movie. Yeah. Any... Uh, Jellicat 2, too. Any of the Palace stories, love those. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Gangs of Wasipur, for sure. I also... I really connected a lot with um, Shad Desi Romance and, Bar- and Barely Keep Barfi. Yeah. Those are great. Those are both, both really good. Okay. Uh, this is again from Sophia Austin. I, I love this question. What are some of your off-brand hobbies? For example, painting or camping or wrestling grizzlies. Very Canadian hobbies. We are Canadian, so yeah. I appreciate that she thinks we wrestle bears. Uh, we, I show, hate, I, we hate camping. No, you hate camping. I hate camping. I would be perfectly happy camping. Really? The yeah. one time we went camping. Well... That was just sort of an awkward dynamic. Yeah. I like camping. Okay, fair enough. But what it's just are, drinking outside. What are your hobbies, Matt? Uh, well, we play a lot of board games. Yeah. We just finished Pandemic Season 2. Pandemic Legacy Pandemic Season 2. Pandemic Legacy Season 2. So I like playing those. 
Um, I make uh, Gundam models, Gunpla. Yeah. You Those love are Gundam. Yeah, watching anime. That's another hobby. Yeah, we have uh, a room we- full of Gunpla. And I, I just, I feel like we should explain what Gunpla is. Sure. So Gunpla is short for Gundam Plastic Model. And they are plastic models based on the giant robots from the TV show series uh, Mobile Suit Gundam. Mm-hmm. So I like those a lot. I am constantly stepping on little tiny things of plastic little that nubs end up of plastic. all over our floor. Uh, what else? I read a lot. Yeah. Um, it comes with my job, too. So that's a major relaxation thing. Uh, what else? What do you do? You like uh, dancing? Yeah, I I I take dance classes, um, mostly Bollywood ones. I'm starting to get into K-pop dance classes. You make a lot um, of cocktails. Yeah, cocktails are probably my big hobby. I uh, that's what my Instagram is. If you follow me on Instagram, Aaron E Fraser, just like my Twitter handle, uh, I post um, pictures and descriptions of all the drinks I make. Uh, I, I mean, it's a, it's a very intense hobby. We have over 100 different bottles of alcohol in our bar, which I put on a spreadsheet to keep track of When everything. you have enough of something that you need a spreadsheet to remember <laughs> all of it, it may have progressed beyond a hobby. Yeah. It might have turned into a job that you don't get paid for. But, but the interesting thing is, that, like, I wouldn't say that, like, I mean, is drinking one of our hobbies? I think so. Yeah, yeah. Having, dr- like, cocktail parties is fun. Yeah, so yeah, I that's probably my biggest hobby is is making cocktails. I also just bought a CBD vape pen, <laughs> so maybe <laughs> maybe that's my new hobby. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay, back to the top. Okay, uh, that is Monsoon Blues asks, "Where is your YouTube channel?" Okay, so we actually cannot. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, so we are hosted on a platform called Audio Boom. They. Like, they kind of headhunted us, actually. Like, we were doing okay on Blueberry, I think it was. Mm -hmm. And then they were kind of making a push for Indian markets. And they wanted things that appealed to Indian listeners. So they approached us and wanted to see if we would be on their platform. Uh, That's where the ads at the beginning and the end of uh, episodes come from. And when we signed with them, we were told that we can't actually put the podcast on any other platform. Mm. So, like... It is on Spotify and Google and all this stuff, but that is as being a podcast. But I don't think we're actually allowed to put the podcast up on YouTube. So if we made a YouTube channel, it would have to be something else. It'd have to be original content. Yeah. Yeah, like it, can, also, it can't be like Joe Rogan where he's just filming them doing the podcast because right. I think that would kind of run into the same problem. Yeah. But and we we would definitely get demonetized by all the shit I talk about things <laughs> and um, the song samples that we use because we have right. a license for those mm-hmm. um but I, yeah i also just have i mean personal why do people want to youtube like they want to see us no i think it might be because they want to listen to it at work oh. and youtube's just easy to access oh okay yeah and that might be it i don't know i think you can just stream from the audio boom site though yeah i it's not as well known of a site though i i I mean, we're usually just doing this in pajamas. It's not. It's, it's not a glamorous process. We're just at our kitchen table, so yeah, really you're, you're not missing anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's why we don't have a YouTube channel. Okay. Kimberly Telly again wants to know each of our top three favorite actors slash actresses. Okay. Katrina Kaif. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, Ranveer Singh. Okay. Are you doing? Adore him. Them all in th- all in one, not three actors, three actresses. No, I'm not. Okay. Just doing my top three. Okay. Then, ooh, ooh. 
So again, like it's like the first two are the easiest. Mm-hmm. And then and then the third one, the third one, you're like, okay, then all bets are off. So I need to like, I need to choose well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. You go. Who are your top two before you pick? Before I pick my third. Well, I got three of each. Oh, okay. Okay, so actresses, Deepika Patacone, mm-hmm. Katrina Keff, and then a tie between Tabu Vareka. Mm. Yeah, and honorable mention goes to Radnapathic. I think she's a cutie. Mm-hmm. Uh, for men, um, okay, so the three cons, they're like my sons. <laughs> <laughs> I can't choose between them. I love them all. So they are not in this category. Okay. Uh, but anytime Saifali Khan shows up, perfect. Nwazine Siddiqui. Um, and, you know, I like Ajay Devgan. He's good. But I got to go Ranveer Singh. Like, he's got to be my favorite of the movie stars who is not a Khan. Mm-hmm. And he's also not, like, a character actor who I like. Because mm-hmm. I think I think Nawaz started as a character actor and worked his way up in just into just being the best actor. Yeah. Um, and again, special mention goes to uh, Bo Manarani, my guy. Just always happy. He's he's not always in the best movies, nor does he have the best role in any movie he's <laughs> ever in. But he's always a joy to see. Okay, if I'm gonna split them up, then for actors, I'll go Saif Ali Khan because I, I love I love the guy. Uh, Ranveer Singh mm-hmm. and Irfan Khan. Irfan. Yeah. I mean, there's so many. This is a very hard question, Kimberly. It is. Uh, For actresses... Maybe top tens I could do. (laughs) For actresses, Katrina Kaif. Mm Mm-hmm. Easily. Uh, I mean, she's she's my ultimate. I I love her. If I I stan anyone in Bollywood, uh, then it's Katrina Kaif. Then I'd probably say Ali Abbott, who I also adore. Perfect. Uh, She's good. And then, you know, probably Madhuri Dixit. Excellent. Yeah, Madhuri Dixit. They're all great. It's so hard to choose. Why did you make us choose? Well, and I just, you know, I also love kind of the breadth of Madhuri Dixit's filmography. Yeah. Uh, I, I, feel, I feel bad not picking any classic stars. You know, mm-hmm. like I think, you know, whenever Johnny Walker shows up, we get... Yeah, he's like the really good excited. version of Johnny Lever. Yeah, like we get really. He adds to, to a him. film rather than subtracts from it. Yeah, uh, I we adore Wahida Roman and the stuff we've seen her in. I yeah. always love when Helen's in an item. Parveen and Bobby ruled. Oh yeah, love to see just, more of her. I just yeah, I just don't know if I have enough familiarity with those actors and actresses yet. There's also how could I forget the god of cinema Amitabh Bachchan? Yeah, who as of today we heard has caught COVID. So. We are definitely pulling for him, but like, again, he's another guy who's on a whole other level. And also, you see him all the time. So, yeah. like, a lot of the time, he's in terrible movies. Yeah. A lot of the time, he's in some of the best movies ever made. So, this is a horrible question. All of the Kimberly, don't do this to all us. All of the lists and this is going to wrench my heart out. All of the lists and favorite questions, I just find very stressful because I'm yeah. so prone to saying that. A top fifty, please. Yeah, I'm so prone to saying that everything is my favorite. <laughs> yeah, I think Saif Ali Khan is probably our most kind of. Off the wall choice. I think I think we we really go to bat for for him and Katrina Kev. So I feel like if you if you want the like the clear biffle faves, the mm-hmm. ones that we kind of beat the drum for, it's them. Okay, so then uh, Saad Ilyas comes back with another one. Also, are you guys writers by profession? If not, what do you do professionally? Kind of. We, well, are, we both do writing at our jobs. We do writing at our jobs. Um, 
I wouldn't put writer on my resume. I'm probably the closer one, though. So I run a small publishing company, and when I say I'll write things, like I'll write uh, cover copy for books mm-hmm. or ad copy or grant reports, that kind of thing. So um, the sort of stuff that your average arts administrator would do, I do. Yeah, I work for the provincial government. I'm a public servant. Uh, I'm in the culture ministry, and I do a lot of writing for the website for mm-hmm. Alberta.ca. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of like a lot of my work up on there. But I don't really consider it like my writing work. That's just my job. Yeah, I mean, writer kind of implies a degree of creativity that I don't think I have to no, do. No, I write reports. It's that like get tec- published on the website. Well, we're probably more technical writers. <laughs> yeah, like distilling yeah. down concepts for people. Definitely. Uh, I often hear from authors like, how could you write cover copy for my book? And I'm like, listen, I've done like 90 of these. <laughs> yeah. I'm writing profiles about volunteers right now. And it's it's yeah. just like, it's very formulaic. <laughs> but like, yeah, it looks really hard to write a book. Mm-hmm. But like, what do they say? There's only seven basic stories that there could possibly be. Mm-hmm. So like, it's not, you're not writing Finnegan's Wake most of the time. Yeah. Like you can describe what the book is about and what it's like. We don't have very glamorous jobs, but both of our jobs are in in arts and culture. Yeah, and it's nice to not be outside digging a ditch. Yes. Uh, Yes, we're very fortunate. Uh, So tepid underscore waters asks if you enjoyed this process. This should have been the last question. Well, we could do it now. Uh, if you enjoyed this process of soliciting and answering questions, will you consider adding a short Q&A seg- segment on your episodes as a regular feature? That's right. I went meta. Uh, no. No. <laughs> no. Um, I found this stressful more than anything else. And I'm, I'm still finding it stressful answering the questions. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, I did consider doing research, like picking out my answers, especially for these top questions. You want the gut we the down. answer, though. Yeah, but I didn't feel like that was in the spirit of yeah. a mailbag or Q&A episode. They want the... They want the kind of like gut instinct um people can always ask us stuff on yeah. twitter and instagram like and many people do we are always willing to to answer any questions especially if they're formed into a review on itunes oh yeah when people put questions in their reviews on itunes um and put an episode request we we do get to that um we we love those apple podcast reviews but yeah i don't think we'll add a q a segment we might do another episode like this in the future i don't my, know my my concern with the process of soliciting interesting questions is that since we're asking them on twitter on facebook out loud mm. like we got a lot of the same ones right and um i know you were hoping for more questions not about the podcast <laughs> but i agree with paul Mamichuk that that was crazy because that's no, the only reason anyone knows about it i guess like I was, there were a lot of questions about our opinions about Bollywood, mm-hmm. um, which I'm more than happy to answer, but I was like, I feel like people know that already. Yeah, we're, we're putting them out every week on the podcast, but not, not every, every week, bi-weekly. But like, not everyone who's answering the questions might have heard every episode. Yeah, that's Like, there that's might true. be someone who's maybe heard one. That's true. And again, so, I, I'm not saying that I don't appreciate all these questions. Yeah, I love, I, I am very happy about the questions, but... Yeah. It is kind of a lot more work than we thought it was going to be. I think so, yeah. Yeah, so, sorry, Tepid Waters. Ah, so Kimberly Tully has another question. What are your dream Bollywood projects, for example, remakes, screen pairings, etc.? Well, Zoya Akhtar is apparently doing The Departed with Katrina Kaif in some capacity. And Ranveer Singh. That sounds great. Ranveer Singh was attached now? I thought he was always attached. I thought it was just Katrina. No, I no, think it was. it's both of them. 
if she's playing Matt Damon and not like someone's girlfriend, and she's the one like doing the cat and mouse trying to catch the other one. That would rule. Yeah. I don't think that's what's going to happen, but it would be cool. I'm so excited about this film, too, because, and this is going to sound so stupid, but uh, it's like... It's like four degrees of separation away. Yeah. It reminds me a bit of like Sholay in the sense that Seven Samurai, the Kurosawa film, was then remade in Hollywood into Magnificent Seven, which was then remade in India into Sholay. And so I'm like, oh my God, it's happening. No, you, you skipped one. Which one? Because um, Magnificent Seven, but then there's also the spaghetti western influence, right? So like, I don't think there was an exact replica of Magnificent Seven in spaghetti westerns, but definitely that kind of story type goes into those in the '60s, mm-hmm. and then you get Strolly out of that, right? So it's like four degrees separation, yeah. Yeah. So I, I anyway. So Infernal Affairs is a Chinese film mm-hmm. that was then remade into The Departed, which is like. And, and Infernal Affairs is like three films, mm-hmm. which was then remade into The Departed by Martin Scorsese, which is now being supposedly remade I mean, by Zoya I just think, like, I love those kinds of filmic yeah. connections. I'm, I'm never anyone who gets upset about remakes, especially cross-cultural remakes. I'm very excited for the Tiffios film. Good, you're going to love my answer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just because I think... I think they I think it's always interesting to see how different directors interpret different stories. I think it's interesting to see different stories in different cultures and I think there is value to that. Do I think it's lazy sometimes like that remake of Force Majeure that came out earlier this year? Yes, but yeah. I I think there's there's so many movies being made every year that I don't have an issue with remakes. Okay, so I put mine on Twitter, but it would be Hindi versions of uh, the JoJo's Bizarre Adventure franchise. <laughs> of course it is. So uh, Jonathan would be played by Anil Kapoor in kind of a 1942 yeah. mode. Uh, Joseph, young Joseph, would be played by Rithik Roshan. Uh, Jotaro Kujo would be played by Vidya Jamwal. Mm. Uh, Joe Sakei Higashikata would be played by Varun Dawan. Um, Giorno Giovanni would be played by Render Singh. Mm-hmm. So this is the most niche thing I've ever done in my entire life. <laughs> um, but that's what I would do. Also, even though it didn't work for people, I thought that Bombay Velvet was kind of amazing. I loved it. And it yeah. is sort of a distillation of 30s gangster movies. And like a James Elroy type thing. So a, a Bollywood adaptation of L.A. Confidential would be amazing. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. And I would love to see kind of that, the James Elroy care and attention paid to uh, cops in the 40s and 50s. Mm. Like, no holds barred showing that, yeah, corruption, violence are rampant. Mm. Because we know they are. We see them in the modern day movies. But when you watch something like CID or Bozzy, like the cops come off pretty heroic actually. So something said in that period that would show that like, you know, law enforcement is it's always held at a remove from society. Mm-hmm. I think that'd be cool. I think setting kind of remakes aside, the thing I most want is a a Zoya, um, as in Ek the Tiger Zoya. Katrina Kaye yeah, cool. I want her to get an action film. Oh, and I also want to see a uh, sequel to Jagged Jazzers. Oh my god, yes. Definitely want a sequel to Jagged Jazzers. And I'm really excited for the on-screen pairing of two of my faves, Katrina Kaye and Yeah, we talked about them for like five minutes already, so. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay, so then we go down. Uh, oh, Debbie Soderland says, I want to hear about how you guys met and the story of your relationship. That is not a question. No. <laughs> it's not phrased as a question. Aaron decides not to. <laughs> uh, there's not there's not much to it. We we so, went to high school. Well, you probably set the scene. Okay. So we live in we live in Alberta, yes. which is in Canada, and right now we live in Edmonton, which is the capital. It's probably about a million people in the greater yeah. Edmonton area, but we grew up in the country. So not quite like farmland, but one step beyond the suburbs. Mm-hmm. And we were both taking for French immersion from kindergarten to grade nine. And to go to high school, I had to go to Ardrossan, which is where your school was. Mm-hmm. So we met in high school. Even though I'm not from Ardrossan either. <laughs> yeah. But that's where the French school was. So you have the French yeah. language to thank for this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. We, we dated briefly in high school. Um, so I guess you could say we were high school sweethearts. And then didn't really keep in touch after school, but we reconnected when we were 20. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we've been together ever since. There you go. It's, pretty, it's not that interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's not that exciting. I didn't have to fight <laughs> your father or something. I didn't sneak into your house and befriend all the members of your family. Although you do have a big family that would work for that kind of right. Punjabi wedding comedy type thing. Where, where the, where the but they're suitor, not like that. Well, I mean, you could amplify their tendencies to make them into more caricature people. Yeah. But you do, like, you come from a big family. I have one brother. So... That is one of the fundamental differences. And like again, us. you have very few aunts and uncles and cousins, and I have. I mean, a lot. My grandma died not too long, almost a year ago. So there's maybe, okay, what? Mom and dad, Ian, my grandfather, my uncle, and my three cousins, and then two more cousins. There's ten people on the planet who I'm blood related to, and you can't even get out of your immediate family. Without beating my number. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, there's a lot of Fraser relatives out there, not that many Boses. Mm-hmm. Anyway, next question. Yeah, it's yeah, it's not that interesting, but I mean, I do consider. Now you know that's where the lovers comes from. I do, I do consider myself very fortunate to have met you at such a young age. <laughs> Most people are fortunate to have met me. <laughs> sure, sure. Okay, uh, so Scouse of the East wants to know, Scouse, I think, does that mean they're from Liverpool? I think a Scouser is some part of England is where they're from. They'll let me know. Uh, they say, the Scouse of the East says, would you consider doing more South Indian films from time to time? I feel like you might be missing out on a lot of brilliant films from outside of Bollywood worth discussing. Short answer, no. The show was about... Hindi cinema. Yeah. Long answer, we we do watch South Indian movies, and we recognize there are some great things coming out of there, especially Leo Leo Joe's Pelissari. He's awesome. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... And Bahubali, of course. When we were developing the podcast, we specifically chose mainstream Hindi language cinema because the scope of doing a podcast on all of Indian cinema... It's too much. It was way too much. It's hard enough to know about one film... Uh, culture that is not your own and that you don't speak the language of, much less like 16 other ones. Yeah, we wanted to keep it pretty industry specific and, and we did that intentionally. And so I think 
I mean, we broke that rule sort of once in one of our Halloween episodes. It's because Hindi cinema is terrible at making horror movies, <laughs> and we saw a good one that was dubbed into Hindi called The House Next Door. Yeah, so, uh, but for the most part, we want to keep it very focused on Hindi cinema. And, and yes, like, it's not always mainstream. We have done some kind of uh, parallel stuff, some, some more indie stuff, but... Yeah, it's just we want to keep that focus because if we start to open it up to other industries, it just starts to become well, too much. Well, this goes towards Sad Ilias's question. You have to pick something and stick with it. Because mm-hmm. my old podcast that I invented, basically just to amuse myself with my friend Marcus, my roommate at the time, just as a kind of a fun thing to do and also learn how to make a podcast, it sputtered out because yeah. we didn't have a focus. Yeah. Like it was just kind of interviewing people we knew or complaining about things. Or in one memorable instance, uh, doing a bunch of mushrooms and talking about ancient cities on the moon. I edited that one. I didn't partake. But, like, I did, you know, pass out while <laughs> drinking out during that podcast. Oh, yeah. But that's it, probably it, the best behind-the-scenes story is you once passed out from drinking an entire bottle of Spicebox whiskey. Yeah. While playing a game that Sam invented. And we're going to his house today. Um, but... Like the the reason that podcast didn't catch on is because that the the listeners, as few as many as there were, didn't have any idea what the next episode was going to be like, and they wouldn't right. know if they liked it. Right. Whereas ours, if you like Hindi cinema, you'll at least have a frame of reference for what the next episode is going to be. Mm-hmm. If we were going to do all Indian cinema, we would alienate people essentially. Yeah. Because you know. I think There's people that only like Hindi cinema. There's obviously a lot of people that love South Indian cinema. Oh, yeah. We think it's great. It's just that that is not the topic that we chose to focus on. Yeah. Not because South Indian cinema is bad. We think it, again, is very good. And in some places, probably better than Bollywood in some respects. Your big actioner types. Like, no one has beat Bahubali for that. In, in some respects, I will say that, okay, so I, I have... I you watch more lot, of it than me. Yeah, I see a lot of films. And I see a lot of films from uh, different industries, different regional industries in India. So I see a lot of Tamil and Telugu and Malayalam films. I see a lot of Punjabi films. I, I, I don't care for Punjabi cinema in general. Um, and then I've, I've seen Canada films. I've seen Marathi, Bengali. Uh, so I have seen films from across a lot of the different language groups and a lot of the different industries. And I will say that all of them make good and bad stuff. I don't think <laughs> any of them... Uh, is it Moore's Law, 90% of everything is shit? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, I, I'm I, not particularly fond of a lot of the big Tamil and Telugu blockbusters. Uh, I find them kind of overly long and also rather sexist. Like, I just feel like the gender roles are pretty ingrained a lot well, of times. Well, if, if Arjun Reddy is supposed to be like... A great example of what is coming out of South India. I mean, I didn't see it, but from what I've heard, Kabir, Kabir Singh is pretty damn close. And I thought Kabir Singh sucked, and uh, people who like it just are being contrarian. So, yeah. I mean, if that was the big crossover hit, yeah, you can count me out. Yeah, but obviously there's also a lot of great stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I've, I've loved the, uh, a lot of Malayalam films, especially. I, I find that industry produces a lot of great movies. But then again, I've also seen a lot of like Mahmoodi and Mohanlal films where I, I haven't happens. been that industri- interested. I think yeah. they can both be great actors, but I also think they do a lot of movies and they don't all hit. But Shankar uh, and Pellissari... Anytime they make a movie, I want to see it because... And Rajamouli. And Ra- yeah, because like... Yeah. They've proven 
to me that I've been interested in their movies, right? Mm-hmm. So we might follow directors. I feel like Q, more. who's a Bengali filmmaker. Yeah, Q is really interesting. Yeah, like we do follow non-Hindi filmmakers or mm-hmm. majority Hindi, because Q did Brahman Naman. Um, that was mostly English anyway. But like we do follow kind of directors outside of those zones. But I don't think we would do it on the podcast unless. Unless there was some weird sort of Hindi crossover thing. Like, yeah. I could have seen doing Arjun Reddy to get ready for Kabir Singh. But they're so similar. Yeah, like, there's no point in comparing them. Yeah. And, I mean, when we hear that a movie is very good, we do seek it out. Yeah, so it might we, take a while to get to. Like, yeah. Jalikatu was hard to get for a long time. You know, when when we do hear that one is really that is is well worth watching. We do super deluxe Kamalangi nights. That kind yeah, of thing. super deluxe. I loved super deluxe. Uh, then we 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 do seek them out. But I kind of also we think don't make them a focus of this the podcast, show yeah. of this podcast. I also kind of think, but we are interested. We're interested in good cinema everywhere in the world. Yeah, you know, and I I really want to see Village Rock Stars, which I believe yeah. is Asami. Um. I do kind of think that Malayalam cinema especially mm-hmm. is kind of getting outsized critical attention <laughs> compared to all of the other um, film industries. Like, it's almost like Hindi cinema got pigeonholed as, here's your song and dance masala pictures, and then no one seeks out kind of the smaller ones. Like, it kind of gets typecast, whereas right. anything Malayalam coming out, like, oh, wow, this is a really exciting film industry. So, like... I think the Malayalam cinema is kind of getting covered out somewhere else in mostly written reviews and YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. We are always interested in good movies from anywhere in the world, but especially in India, that the focus of this show is is Hindi language. Yeah. But (laughs) if Saad Elias, if you like South Indian movies, make a South Indian podcast because... This was Scouts of the No, no, but I'm going back to his. Oh. Like, I think, I don't remember if he wanted to talk about Hindi cinema or not, but... That's an area that definitely needs a podcast. And if you're an expert or you're willing to put the effort well, in to the learn about banana. it. there's other banana. Yeah, there's one. Yeah. There's one other podcast, really. So get on it. Yeah. You should okay. get some more of those going. <laughs> All right. So now Manish Mather. Ah, the Prince of Hearts returns. <laughs> He's asked us, if you could live in any director's vision, who would you choose? I'm guessing he means Hindi, but apart from that. Hmm. Okay, That's I'll think of a Hindi one, and then I'll think of a outside Hindi one. Um, probably Sanjay Leela Bansali, because I I love... I'm, I'm very extra. I'm a maximalist. Yeah. Um, and so I love how lush it all is. Yeah, I think it would be cool to live in, um, like, a Dawn-style universe. I forget who directed that one. But, like, that director... 70s there's criminal element but it's not really like drugs so i don't get sad that i'm addicting people to heroin or whatever mm-hmm. but like the clothes are over the top you could punch someone 15 feet it's chandra barat but i suspect what you really want is to live in like a salim java do you know, yeah i think that would yeah. be cool if i was the hero if i was just some mook who got punched that wouldn't be that bad like if I, if I was that that white guy who's always getting beat up in movies, that'd be fine. Mm-hmm. Some kind of henchman. Yeah. Um, if I had to live outside of Hindi cinema, Sofia Coppola. Sofia Coppola <laughs> would be a great place to live. I just want to be beautiful and depressed. <laughs> um, and like 
have like surrounded by like pastels. Yeah, Wes Anderson would be a great place to live. Yeah, uh, even like people who die in those movies, it doesn't seem that bad. Like Miyazaki too. Oh yeah, living a Hayao Miyazaki movie would be the best. Yeah, mopping the floor would just be so <laughs> very satisfying. The best. So satisfying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what is your favorite? Okay, so uh, non Samantha. Non Samantha uh, wants to hear our favorite Bollywood conspiracy theory. So this is a difficult question for us because, in my limited research on the topic, I've found that it's either gossip about two people hooking up on set or something, mm-hmm. or dead actresses, which isn't that exciting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to hear like, oh, this movie was actually ghost directed by this person who's already dead, or something like that. Like, there's some fun Hollywood conspiracy stuff I'm into. But what was available to me in English or subtitled, I couldn't really find anything I was that into because it made me too sad. Yeah, I don't, I'm not keen on like infidelity gossip or, yeah, the conspiracy theories around actresses, how they died. Um, That's depressing. So I guess I'd say like the, the thing that I've read that I honestly don't know if it's true. So it's, I don't know if it's a conspiracy theory or it's a rumor, but I read this and I would really like it to be true. And it's that Metairi Dixit adopted Tuffy. Yeah. The other one that I kind of <laughs> like. the dog that played Tuffy. The other sort of apocryphal story that I, I guess was true was that in, uh, in Koimil Gaia, the fact that Jadu was too like interesting and exciting, oh, and yeah. they had to redub him. That one's good because he was outshining Rithik Roshan. Yeah, if indeed that's true, like I've heard that there's reshoots. I like the idea that Jadu was too good. <laughs> yeah, Claire E. Kelly asks, "Did you have any other podcast ideas when you were starting one, or was Bali with the first idea?" Great question, Claire. This Thank is you. a great question. I'm going to make you listen to this too. Claire. <laughs> um, I. I th- because I already have a podcast, Trash Art in the Movies, that I do with um, with Paul Mawichek. Which is fairly all-encompassing for film genres. Like, you yeah. watch all kinds of different things. It's not do. It's not linked into one style of movie. Yeah. I was kind of reluctant to start another podcast. You kind of had to convince me to do it. Uh, so I didn't have any ideas when we were starting this one. But I have had some ideas since. Mm-hmm. And the big one is... A podcast that reviews celebrity cookbooks mm-hmm. um, called like Eat Like a Celebrity, which I think would be really fun because there's like the list of celebrities who have put out cookbooks. And I'm talking not like celebrity chefs. No, like Coolio. Yeah, like Coolio and Snoop Dogg and Kellis and Ali Ladder and Sarah Michelle Gellar, Stanley mm-hmm. Tucci. Like, I think it would be really... Is this called The Touch of the Tucci? Because it should be. <laughs> I don't think... Okay, Kellis's should really be called Better Than Yours, and it's not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I I think that would be... And Stanley Tucci is more than one. I hear they're pretty good. That would be um, very labor-intensive, because you would have to work through a good selection of the recipes to see if they're any good. Right. So, like, I... And I thought through how to do it, you know, like... You read the book from cover to cover because, mm-hmm. Matt, as you know, I will read a cookbook from cover to cover. That's the only book that you'll really devour and is, then, is a cookbook. And then, like, kind of rate it on a scale of, like, how the celebrity persona factors in, how accessible it is to, like, to make these mm-hmm. things. How many truffles are involved? Yeah, like, can you source the ingredients? And then I thought, like, okay, for every book, you have to, like, make a meal from the book. Mm-hmm. So it would just be very labor-intensive and very expensive for both buying the books and buying all the ingredients. Yeah. So I still think it's a really good podcast idea. It seems like something that like Bon Appetit could put out. Yeah. I because just, they have the resources and they can get like 
10 different people working on the recipes. I just, I don't have time for it, but I really love that Coolio's cookbook promises five-star meals at like one-star prices. <laughs> yeah. He, he had a good audience in mind. Yeah. Um, I've had a few other ideas for podcasts. Uh, one would be um, reviewing trailers for movies. Yeah. Um, I guess I could have mentioned this in my hobbies, but I have probably like 11 or 10 DVDs now of just trailers for like exploitation movies. Yeah. And I want to be clear. It's not like you'd be like doing like trailer reaction videos or like reviewing the trailer to speculate how good the film is, but reviewing the actual quality and mechanics of making a, of like a trailer. Yeah. Like I would be reviewing it as if it is the movie. Because there are so many great, I, I'm baffled by people who say that they can tell the quality of a film based on a trailer. I think a good trailer is a whole art form. Look at Suicide Squad. Like, they got a great company in to make a trailer, and then yeah. the movie was bad. Look at the Paddington trailers. They're terrible. Yeah. So, I like, I one of my ideas was to kind of look at sort of 70s, 80s exploitation trailers. Yeah. Because... I think you also want to look at the history of movie trailers yeah. as well. But in a lot of cases, um, those movies could never live up to what the trailer promises. Right. And who is it? Joe Dante, I think, actually started cutting trailers. Like, that was his job mm. for Corman first. And then he goes on to make movies afterwards. So I think there is a real art to making movie trailers. Well, and I, I think about, like, the like the Stanley Kubrick's trailers and, mm-hmm. and Hitchcock's. But, but Kubrick, like, Kubrick wanted Arthur Lipset to cut the trailer for Dr. Strangelove. Mm-hmm. He, basically based on a short film, very nice, very nice. And Lipset, like, didn't do it. And so instead they, like, hired someone to copy Lipset. Yeah. Like th- or uh, Femme Fatale, the the, oh the Brian De Palma trailer that literally so shows good. you the whole movie in fast motion. Like, there's some very cool trailers out there that I would like to discuss. And for movies that are probably not worth watching in a lot of cases, but mm-hmm. it's worth watching for two minutes. Yeah. Um, I've also had ideas for uh, Giallo movie podcasts and Yakuza movie podcasts. Um, so. Uh, Giallo movies are 60s and 70s um, proto-slasher movies coming out of Italy. Um, if you saw The Editor, a movie I bring up all the time, <laughs> that is, Aaron thinks this is a super deep cut, but Astron 6 is The it's Editor. It's a pretty deep cut. Uh, that's kind of a parody of these things. But it's usually someone going around murdering, you know. Suspiria is probably the Suspiria's, most yeah. well-known Giallo, the original Suspiria. Yeah. So, like, someone going around murdering people in a creepy mansion or something, you usually see, like, a a black glove with a knife or something. Mm-hmm. This is often the director's hand, by the way, which goes into some pathology there. But, like, I, I this came from me wanting to learn more about them and have a podcast to listen to. And then I found, like, one from, like, 2016. So there isn't anything currently going, last mm-hmm. time I checked, that scratches this particular itch for me. Because it's not like I know a lot about them. It's just an interesting part of film history that I would like to learn more about. Yeah, which is a, a big part of why we got interested in Bollywood. Exactly. And I would also be interested in a podcast on Yakuza movies. Uh, so Yakuza movies, that is the uh, organized crime of Japan. Uh, these I have watched lots. Um, and they have very interesting sort of codes of honor that they f- follow up to. And you can definitely see a progression over time of what becomes popular in that kind of movie. Mm-hmm. And I think that would just be really cool to learn about. It, it would make be like a, you know, a limited run podcast. Maybe there isn't enough to keep an ongoing one going. There's but a lot of Yakuza films. There's a lot of Yakuza films and a lot of like auteurs who work in that space. But Yeah, you love Seijun Suzuki. Seijun Suzuki. Which I, I also love Seijun Suzuki. Uh, though, 
He's, he made a lot of movies, but if you cherry pick the best ones, they're good. Yeah. Uh, Takeshi Miike. Uh, Are you a big Miike fan? I've liked every Miike I've watched, but I like I haven't watched all of them. Okay. He's made like 100 movies. Yeah. Um, but like, I think that would be interesting to do because Yakuza movies, I think, mm-hmm. are fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, and there's like a wide breadth of kind of like really trashy ones to like really arty stuff like Pale Flower. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or Takeshi Kitano. Yeah. Or, but like the Zatoichi movies. He's a Yakuza. Yeah. And I think also the connection between kind of the, like what you talk about the codes of honor with Yakuza films, like, and also samurai movies. Like, there's mm-hmm. a very clear kind of dialogue and connection between them. Obviously, filmmakers often made both kinds of films. Yeah. Uh, this also answers, answers Claire's second question, which is uh, if you were going to do another one besides the other one Aaron already does, what would it be? Would it be movie related? So the answer yeah. is mostly. They, they mostly would be movie related. Yeah, apart from the cookbooks, but that might also be movie actors a lot of the time. Yeah, I think, like, the majority of the podcasts I listen to are movie related. So, like, mm-hmm. I'm well aware that people make podcasts about other things, but I'm most of my life. I like a lot of history podcasts. Focus. That's the other kind of thing I'm into. Yeah. So, something, maybe the history of Yakuza movies. Like, I would have to do a ton of research, though. Yeah. Uh, okay, so Manish's back. Uh, who is your favorite on-screen pair, romantic or dynamic duo? So Jody's um, in Hindi cinema, presumably. Mm. Uh, I mean, it's tough to beat Shower Khan and... Kajal? Kajal. Yeah. They're great. Shower Khan and Pretty Zinta, mm-hmm. also great. Uh, Shower Khan and Rani Mukherjee. Always also like them. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's not—he's the—he's the king of hearts for a reason. I—I'm not a huge fan of this actor, but I do really like the dynamic between Katrina Kaif and Salman Khan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they're very good together. He's like she's like the only one that gets treated like an equal in his movies for a lot of the time. Yeah, I think and I so. think she kind of had to like grind through some early stuff to get to that point. But now when she shows up, it's just like okay, they're equals in this partnership. Mm-hmm. Ali Abad and Varun Dhawan. Yeah. Um, Ranveer Singh and Deepika Padukone. Mm-hmm. Um, Rithik Roshan, R- Roshan and Priyanka Chopra. I mean, can I just say the best one of all time? What? It's Farron Akhtar and Bhagwati. Yeah. The greatest parent. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's some great ones. Um, Rithik Roshan and uh, Tiger Shroff. Oh, yeah, that was pretty Lit good. up the screen together. Yeah. Um, that's the only time I've liked Tiger Shroff in a movie, really. Yeah. Um, Vidya Jamal and the Elephant. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, you don't want to get pigeonholed into just liking two actors and then, like, having to like their movies. Mm-hmm. Like, I, okay, here's a good one. Shah Khan and Anushka Sharma. Yeah. So good in Romney Bonadie Jody. Terrible in When Harry Met Sejal. Yeah, really good in, um, um, Jab Tech Hai John as well. Jab Tech Hai John, yeah. Um. Actually, I like basically any time Anushka Sharma shows up in a movie. Yeah, I'm into the romantic pairing and the well, whole movie. Well, you didn't have to sit through Zero. Okay, I didn't see Zero, but like, yeah, she works for me. I would like more pairs of women. Mm-hmm. I think Lisa Hayden and Kind of Gonna Run Away were really fun in Queen, mm-hmm. uh, but I just I don't feel like we have as many as many Jodies mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to the two when it comes to two women. Unfortunately. Mm-hmm. I wish there were more. Next uh, question. Let's answer Manisha's next question right now as well. Your favorite, least favorite pair of director and actor. 
Uh, Zoya Akhtar, Ranveer Singh. Easily, that's my favorite. Uh, least favorite, Love Rajan and Kartik Aryan. Yeah. Um, hmm. Okay. I think that uh, Bansali and Ranveer Singh go together like mm-hmm. cookies and cream. They're so good. And yet people want Ben Sully to work with different actors. <laughs> no, I think that they are on a miracle run, honestly. Yeah. Um, and you can add Deepika Padakone to that mm-hmm. triangle of them just being great. Amitabh Bakchan and um, Salim Javed. Mm-hmm. Great not, run. Not directors, but still. I yeah. I feel like it fits. Like that kind of, that yeah. kind of movie. Very, very good. Um... And least favorite, oh, what's his name? Aditya Roy Kapoor. Aditya Roy Kapoor and anybody. <laughs> um, a, the only director who I found uses Aditya Roy Kapoor in a way that I like is Ayan Mukherjee in Yeah, Japani High Divine. Because I don't think he's a leading man. Yeah. That kind of second banana guy who's got like, sort of one problem that he has to figure out over the course of the movie. Um, in Yejavani, uh, Aditya Kori Kapoor's sort of alcoholism and kind of, I think he was kind of jealous that uh, um, Rambir Kapoor and Deepika hook up in that movie. And he's also kind of jealous of uh, um, Kauki Kokla. Mm-hmm. Like he feels like left out of that whole thing. And I thought he did a great job of being the... Like, kind of the screw-up in a group of friends who all went on to kind of bigger and better things. He was great in that. Mm-hmm. I just don't think that you can use that kind of guy as the main character in a movie. Because, I'll give you that, he's a very handsome man. Very good shape. But I I just never emotionally connect with him. And I don't think that he's acting hard enough. He's always too subdued unless he's playing drunk. When he's playing drunk, we're pretty good. Just uh, be so thankful that you didn't have to sit through Malang, yeah. Malang, Malang, Malang. Who knows? Uh, and see him uh, in a uh, in a Mohit Suri film. Yeah, yeah. I I, I don't know. Hated that. But, okay. Like I I I feel like I'm taking crazy pills when people say that he is a good actor. Yeah. Uh, we've been here for an hour. We're gonna have to edit keep down going. Some keep of going. Our keep answers. Going. Okay. This is gonna be a long one. Okay. So Bombay Talkies asks. How has the role of PR changed in the, over the years in the film industry? I feel like we see so much obvious PR work, blind social media stunts, et cetera, these days. Who's most guilty of this kind of thing? Who does it well, et cetera? Does okay. she mean specifically in Bollywood? I think so, yeah. Oh, okay. So um, one of the things I do to keep myself sane is not really look at uh, Bollywood gossip and stuff that much. And I'm not super interested in the PR cycle. Uh be- we're also pretty removed from it because we're in Canada. Yeah, it's often not in English, so it's hard for us to. I mean, sometimes, read. but. But I will say that it looks like Kangana Ranawat is tapping into a resurgent nationalism, Hindu nationalism, mm-hmm. to promote herself at the expense of others. And I don't like that. And yeah. she often seems to make the PR about the movie more of a discussion of Kangana Ranawit rather than the director or the writer or the movie. Or it's the mo- film itself. Yeah, yeah, it's more, here's the latest adventure of Kangana Ranawit. I think that she's actually a very good actress. Mm-hmm. I've liked her in most movies I've seen her in. It's just, I don't think I would get along with her outside of the films. Yeah, and I think when her when her sister chimes in, it just compounds the issues. Uh, 
I'm not entirely sure how much PR has changed. Like, it's it's interesting to me that up until recently, you know, like, uh, stars didn't have managers and, and yeah. that sort of thing. So, like, the industry has... The industry has shifted quite a bit over the years uh, in in terms of, of PR. And, and we've only been people, watching it for like the past six or seven. So. Yeah, yeah. And people kind of developing like PR teams. Uh, but that's also like I think true across celebrities around the world just as social media has become more mm-hmm. prominent. Uh, I think, you know what? I think Katrina Kaif really does it well. Uh, she's launched her own beauty line now, K by Katrina. Her Instagram is usually just kind of like she feel good stuff. She didn't have Instagram for the longest time, and I think that she was know, thinking about how to do it. Yeah, I, I, I think she's she's great on Instagram because it's really refreshing, and she's really funny, and she just you know it's interesting because a lot of people have said like, oh, she started to show, show this kind of really goofy human side of her. She was um, funny from the first movie we saw her in, in Doom Three. Yeah, she's doing we, great comic timing. But we didn't kind of come in. You know, the first time we saw her, we didn't have a. You know, she was in one of the highest grossing Bollywood films yeah. of all time and we didn't have any preconceived notions about kind of We've watched the earlier her. ones though and I think she's funny there too. Yeah, but again, like we also have a bias towards her now. Yeah. So, um, you know, I just, I think, I think she's used social media well to kind of show, show her fans and maybe her critics like who she is. Yeah, um, people like to say that she's fake, right? And if you're seeing her kind of Working out or just hanging out. You see that she's actually... You're with her sisters. You just see she's a regular person. And I think that's kind of the secret thing about her is that she, while she looks like a glamour queen, she's actually like the the normal girl. Well, or at least that's what she she leads us to kind of believe. She's making that perception known. Yeah. That's genius. I think Sonu Kapoor has done a really good job of kind of sticking up for the issues that she believes in. And I think she'll she's, occasionally stick her foot in the wrong thing. Yeah. But, but I, th- I think she's pretty genuine. I liked her kind of um, op-ed piece in Buzzfeed that she did about mm-hmm. how she didn't wake up like this and neither did Beyonce. Uh, Sarah Ali Khan should oh. probably get someone to handle her yeah. social media. Cause the only time I see her social media is when she screwed up so badly that it became an international news yeah, story. Yeah. I think, I mean, Tab Bachan's Twitter feed is, just hard to read. Uh, mm-hmm. I think Anil Kapoor is great on Twitter, and he really seems to like. In, he interacts with his fans, and he seems again like he seems to be mm-hmm. genuine, and he cares about what his that his fans like him and what they have to say about his films. Yeah, um, yeah, and I think Topeka Padukone also like she isn't super active, but she'll come out and say like, yeah, I suffer some from depression. Like she kind of takes you behind the curtain. And I think the way that, you know, when she was promoting Chapak, that she also used as as an opportunity to try and encourage people to engage in activism was really important. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know the, the PR campaign that circled around with, um, Padman of kind of celebrities and sanitary napkins. It felt really fake, but it was mm-hmm. also like an issue that I think is really important. Well, it was so. actually Kumar's run of social meshes pictures where a guy who suspiciously looks like actually Kumar solves one societal ill. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, Katrina Kaif is my favorite to follow. Um, but I, I think like Sona Kapoor can be really like critical. She doesn't necessarily go with the trend of like, mm-hmm. you know, of what everyone else is saying. Mm-hmm. When has she stuck her foot in it? Oh, I would have to look it up. But she, this is going to tie into a question we're going to come right. up in a minute here. So I'll, I'll save it till then. Okay. 
Uh, so Devin asks, next question. Uh, has Matt decided on the perfect name for, nickname for Cypher Lee Khan yet? I think the best nickname is the one that Devin came up with, Cypher the Knife. Because, like, Cypher the Chief, you need something that rhymes with Cypher. Mm-hmm. And, like, he has a kind of a lore to him that goes beyond movie star, I think. Mm-hmm. You got the kind of royal background. That's interesting. And also, there's a guy who spouts off and talks about whatever he feels like. He doesn't care what uh, the media is telling him to say. Like He's such the he, exact opposite. Well, I mean... He's a very, like, like, aloof guy. Karina Kapoor Khan is also very outspoken, but I think, like, she curates her public image so obsessively, and he's just, like, he well, just does his thing. With the thing with Sushant Singh Rajput killing himself, right? Like, Saifu Khan comes out and says, look, this is a cutthroat business... No one's your friend, and it's tough out there. Yeah. And that was, to me, a lot more realistic than, oh, a member of the filmy fraternity has left us. I loved him from the moment I saw him. Mm. But there's people, there's actors, Sushant Singh Rajput's age, that he would have been competing with for lots of roles and things. And it seems disingenuous for me after the fact to say, like, oh, he was my best friend. I'm so sorry Mm. that we lost him. Well, there was that... That piece that his best friend in real yeah, life wrote about. Yeah, he said they're all snakes. She. 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 Yeah, um, where she said like, look, none of these people. Like, I was his. I was his best yeah. friend, and none of these people were really his friend. And so, Although like, I think he. I think he was very close with Critique Salmon. But like Saifali Khan said, look, this is a rough business, mm-hmm. and you know, I'm sad that he died, but everyone's saying. I loved him. He was my best friend. You're all liars, basically. That's the. That's why I like what Saifali Khan. Like he speaks his mind. <laughs> you even, also like that he's a reader. He's very literate. I. Yeah, that's that's one of the ways to my heart. Yeah. Like yeah, that's what I like about him. I don't know. If, listeners, if you could think of a better nickname than Saif the Knife, because it's kind of like Mac the Knife, and it rhymes. But I don't know. I don't Does know. That if imply that he's like a serial killer. He's like. Got those killer good looks. I don't know. It's <laughs> it's tough to quantify. I just like it. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of Sushant Singh Rajput's suicide, uh, in the wake of recent happenings, can you please give your opinion on nepotism in Bollywood? A lot of people think nepo talent is killing rookie talent, but there have been some nepo good performers as well. So what's your take on that? This is from Sidhu177. Okay. So again, we started watching Bollywood films about six years ago, and the counter on my letterbox is probably around 365 some movies so we have seen quite a few uh, but these are mostly 2010s 2020s 2000s and then a smattering fair amount of 70s mm-hmm. 50s and 60s a little bit 80s and 90s not as many so like we do not have an expansive view of the industry um with our Bachan episodes and our Anil Kapoor episodes we've been trying to follow the career arcs of some of these guys, and then you see what happens with their kids afterwards. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think nepotism, you do see a lot of it in other film industries as well. Think of I the think career you... of Max Landis, for example. Oh, God, why did you bring him? Okay. Uh, I think you see it in a lot of industries around the world. Mm-hmm. I do think there is a whole machine within Bollywood yeah. that encourages nepotism. It seems like Salman Khan is launching a family member every other movie somehow. Well, and it also seems like if you are in a film industry family, then you will end up in the film industry. Uh, So, yes, I don't necessarily think nepotism is unique to Bollywood, but I think the way that 
there's a whole machine within Bollywood for nepotism. It's definitely front loaded. Is really interesting. Yeah, so I think this is a difficult question to answer. We've talked about doing an episode way before kind of what was happening recently and, and the conversations that we're having recently. Um, on Star Kid debuts. Yeah, we talked about doing an episode on Star Kid debuts and on nepotism, and we just kind of left it because we didn't really know how to discuss it. We're not following the media as much as we... like. It's, it's difficult for us to follow all of the media surrounding these debuts. Yeah. I will say that, like, John V. Kapoor, for example, there was a ton of hype that even got to us, right? Mm-hmm. And, again, I didn't see your two movies. You said they were okay. I thought she was fine in ghost stories, but, like, nothing to write home about. But the problem with nepotism She's is... She's only really done the one film. Right. Yeah. But the problem with nepotism here is that... I mean, she has another one coming out, but... The argument is that star kids are taking slots that other actors could be taking. And it's difficult to prove in the absence. Like, Sushin Singh Rajput is definitely someone who doesn't come from that group. And we saw we liked his crew. We liked all of his movies. It's difficult to well, say. Well, okay, most of his movies. Drive, drive was bad. And wrapped up. But yeah. the rest of them were all very good. Like it's difficult to say. Like okay, would uh, Simba have been better if Sarah Ali Khan was played by some newcomer? Maybe. Yeah, I think that actors who benefit from nepotism, who are good, ultimately have to prove themselves on their talent. Mm-hmm. Um, because we've seen the launching of. A lot of star kids, a lot of family members, and they don't always stick. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, the, the ones that do, like Ali Abad, are genuinely talented. And Ranveer Singh, supposedly. Right, because he's related to Neil Kapoor. He's somehow connected. I, I did watch a conspiracy video about him, and it's like his grandma was right. a big-time star. Um, but and it goes against also, his. I got discovered at Starbucks. But also, sort of like background. privilege, yeah, is a problem in every industry all over the world. Well, yeah, and you know, even I mean, you and I, as middle class white Canadians, we understand that we have privilege to get into schools and jobs that you know we wouldn't be able to do this don't. podcast if we were working at walmart or something like we wouldn't have the time it, no privilege gives you time so i think everywhere in the world you know people are benefiting from their privilege whether it's a family connection or a gender or um, sexual orientation or race mm-hmm. it's a problem all over the world yeah and um i don't i don't know what we do about it I do agree that nepotism in Bollywood is strong and it is problematic, but I, as an outsider looking in, I, I guess change needs, I guess I feel like the, the change needs to happen within the industry. Well, hopefully what you would, how you would see this working out is someone like Harsh Kapoor, for instance, who right. I have talked shit about a lot, but you know, he was good in one movie. He was bad in another one. He wouldn't have got those. He wouldn't have got the second chance after mm. was Rapta his first one. Mirzia. Mirzia. He wasn't in Rapta. He's in um, yeah. Bavesh Joshi. Yeah, like I don't think he would have gotten Bavesh Joshi if Mirzia, like Mirzia, did bad. Everyone hated it. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't have got a chance at Bavesh Joshi without his well, connection. And it took a while for Sayani Care to really get another yeah. opportunity, like she got with Choked. Yeah, and I think it's so this. I would expand outwards from nepotism and look at 
class. Mm. There is a argument going on in my field, so Canadian literature, that we are losing working class authors and stories because generally the way you get published in Canadian literature is to get an MFA, go to a school, and really the only way that you could be a working author, apart from a few that I know who it's just amazing that they're able to do it, but most of the working quote-unquote authors in Canada in the small literary industry we have are like professors, writing teachers, that kind of thing. That's the only profession that would give you enough time to write well enough to develop your craft, mm-hmm. get into magazines. You can get connections that way. And that comes from class. If you're a working class kid who never goes to university, you are probably not going to make it into the writing fraternity. Mm-hmm. Someone like Rick Ranson, one of my authors, he's legitimately just a boilermaker and welder who writes about his adventures. And he is definitely an out- outlier. So when people talk about nepotism... I think you can maybe stretch that out into looking at class in general mm-hmm. because class and privilege, yeah. Class and privilege cuz you're looking at a privileged class of people who are rich and are able to get that second chance after their first one flops. Mm-hmm. Nawazine Siddiqui is a guy who comes from nothing basically, junior artiste background guy. And he works his way up into being maybe not the biggest leading man, but like he you know, is co-lead on Sacred Games or something. Or he does Freaky Alley. He does like a romantic comedy, that kind of thing. He could do that now. And that is definitely an outlier. It's just how do you prove what the industry would be like if there was more more Nawazine Siddiqui's and less Harshvardhan Kapoor's? How do you even make that argument? Because we don't know what it would be like. Yeah. Maybe it would be better. Maybe there would be more diverse casts. That would be great. It's just difficult to say. Yeah, and I just, I don't know. I find it, it is such a big question and I think it's really easy to criticize Bollywood for its nepotism and I'm not saying I don't criticize Bollywood for its nepotism but when I look at the bigger picture I'm like well this is this is a far bigger issue about I think about class and privilege in the world because if we want you know we want people from different backgrounds to have more opportunities I think that's ultimately what people are saying with the nepotism Thing, but I don't I'm not convinced that the way getting to, rid of nepotism would fix Bollywood yeah and I'm I'm not convinced that the best way to react against it is to not watch the films of Ali Abbott because she's very good yeah I mean it's you get the it's a double-edged sword right because you get the privilege and the access but then you could also be Abhishek Bakchan who every single movie he puts out it's just like is this going to live up to his father no probably not yeah. but like he 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 also deserves to get a few tries in. Yeah, and I think he's good in some. So, I, yeah, I, I feel that like... That is a very difficult question. I feel like that's a very difficult question to answer. It's a, a topic that we have not um, kind of dipped our toes into for the exact reasons. I I, I hope we didn't say anything offensive because, again, we are we are outsiders looking in and I think we often try and, and, try and look at it from all sides to a certain extent. So mm-hmm. it's just... It's, it's tough. It's tough. Um, okay, moving on. Uh, so we have two questions that are essentially kind of about the same thing. And they come from Karma, Karmit7, and Ashish Madathil. And so the, the questions are, what are some of the essential Canadian films you will recommend to the rest of the world? Slash, can you recommend good Canadian cinema? The answer to that one is, we'll try. <laughs> yeah, I guess... Oh, essential Canadian films. 
there's there's an aspect of my of my you know my 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 background my film studies education uh, where essential like I have I have a list in the back of my head of the essential but is Canadian anyone going to want to watch those but would you want to watch those if you're Nanook not interested of the North, in that <laughs> yeah if you're not interested in studying the history of Canadian cinema I I don't think so they're not necessarily the most entertaining <laughs> so if you like the weird movies of Q and are interested in more sort of surrealist or like David Lynch David Lynch yeah like that kind of thing I would point you towards Guy Madden and Matthew Rankin. Mm -hmm. Those are two Canadian filmmakers who I think are very exciting and do something that's pretty unique in world cinema, really. Like, no one really plays with silent techniques Mm -hmm. and color in interesting ways and really, like, bizarre humor outside of TV. I think there's some of that on TV, like Adult Swim stuff. But for feature films, I think those guys are kind of on their own planet. Same with Astron 6, actually. I keep bringing them up. But (laughs) they are a film collective from Winnipeg who makes sort of parody movies of sleazy 80s movies, giallo movies, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. And I think they're super fun and inventive. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting stuff coming out of... Especially in Winnipeg. (laughs) Yeah, coming out of Winnipeg. Uh, For for Guy Madden, I would go My Winnipeg. Yeah. Uh, It's in the Criterion Collection. It should be on the Criterion channel. Yeah, and the saddest music in the world. Those are probably like the two best gateway drugs. And Heart of the World, which is a short that I absolutely Yeah, we can put a link to the Heart of the World in the episode. It's eight minutes long. Go watch it. We're not putting a link. I'm not dealing with putting a link to the Heart of the... I'm not dealing with that. It's eight minutes long, but it feels like a whole feature film. Yeah, yeah. I guess uh, Cronenberg, David Cronenberg, is also pretty essential, so... Although, is he still Canadian? Yes. Would you consider Maps to the Stars a Canadian film? Or Cosmopolis? Yes. Really? Yeah. I don't know. For me, it depends on where the money comes from. Hmm. Uh, Yeah, so I think that's the important thing. I think the only... Uh, truly American film he made was The Dead Zone. Like, even The Fly is Canadian. Hmm. Yeah, like, Cronenberg's cool, but, like... It's difficult to nail down what a Canadian... Oh, I guess the fly is American. Never mind. It's difficult to nail down what a Canadian movie means, for instance. Like, Cosmopolis is based on an American novelist named Don DeLillo's novel, features a British actor named Robert Pattinson drive around Mm -hmm. in a limo in New York City during, like, Occupy time. So, like, sure, it's directed by a Canadian. There is actually a, like, mathematical formula that the CRTC figures out to figure if a movie is Canadian or not. But that's so behind the scenes and like weird that, I don't know, it's difficult to do. Well, we're, yeah, we're better at TV, honestly. People didn't realize that Brooklyn and Room, when they were for Oscars, are Canadian films. Yeah. I think, honestly, we're better at TV right now. Um, something like Letter Kenny, fantastic. Shits Creek, people love that show. Yeah. And uh, Trailer Park Boys. I mean, I kind of think of Angamaly Diaries as the <laughs> Malayalam answer to uh, Trailer Park Boys. Yeah. Uh, but going back to Cronenberg, I think we'd probably most recommend Videodrome, Existence, The Brood, The Brood, Scanners, and uh, Dead Ringers. And I, I yeah. don't think you can argue that those are not Canadian. No, I mean, they're mostly those, shot in Montreal and Toronto. Those are very Canadian. Yeah, he's great. Jeff Barnaby Just is an indigenous creator from Canada who has done two movies so far, Rhymes for Young Ghouls, which is sort of like a revenge movie against mm-hmm. the idea of residential schools with... Which, uh, uh, foreign listeners, if you think Canada is a great place, look up residential schools. We're, mm-hmm. we're as shitty as everywhere else. 
Um, and then his new feature, Blood Quantum, which I haven't seen yet, is a zombie movie in which indigenous people are the only ones immune to being zombified, and they have to hold out a bunch of against a bunch of white people who get zombie disease. So mm-hmm. that's cool. He's an interesting voice and has a point of view that is completely outside of anything you've probably seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I guess uh, speaking of indigenous filmmakers, Zachariah Canucks at Arjunavat, the fastest runner is largely considered to be the greatest Canadian film ever made. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Canada's interesting in that we have, I mean, like like India, um, more than one film industry yeah. separated by language groups. And the, um, and the French one is way bigger than yeah, English. Yeah, but unlike India, we really only have two. <laughs> so there's English language and French language, and the indigenous stuff uh, is just kind of, I think, wrapped up in like English language. Canadian cinema. Uh, so on the French side, I mean, the films of Denis Villeneuve. Denis Villeneuve has obviously gone before on, he went Hollywood. Yeah, yeah, has obviously gone on to be a big deal in Hollywood. A lot of Quebecois d- directors have kind of Jean-Marc Vallée. Yeah, have have received that Hollywood calling card. Well, they uh, well no, like if you're Hollywood right now and you're looking, oh, who's an interesting director? Here is the other biggest film industry. On the continent. Yeah. And they are well supported by the government and well loved by their patrons. Mm -hmm. So obviously they're going to pluck from there apart from like Canada, Mm -hmm. English Canada. Yeah. But Villeneuve's Malstorm and Polytechnique are probably the two that I would um, direct people towards. Polytechnique is a... Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Make sure you're (laughs) in a good mood for Polytechnique. Yeah. It's about uh, a pretty uh, infamous school shooting in Canada that we remember Every, every year it's, mm-hmm. it's never left the public consciousness uh, but I, I would also direct people to uh, Anne Maud, uh, who's probably my favorite Canadian filmmaker working right now yeah because I don't think Cronenberg counts there's also uh, a ton of good uh, documentary filmmakers can I finish talking about Anne Maud? okay fine uh, so her three films uh, well uh, she's she's made one I hadn't seen but the, the three that I have Les Etres Chers Nelly and Jeanne Juliette uh, I think are all fantastic. They're going to be uh, bummers, though. Well, Les Etrechers and, and Nelly are certainly bummers. But Jeune Juliette is like the Quebecois take on eighth grade. It's absolutely okay. delightful. So yeah. I highly recommend people check that one out. You want to talk about documentaries. Like, Canada is nebulous as a concept, right? Yeah. In the 70s, Trudeau declared us to be the first multicultural nation, which, looking at India, there's a multicultural <laughs> nation that's been going for a thousand years, but whatever. But like... It's difficult to pin down what a Canadian um, artistic work is. Mm-hmm. I mean, I work in this industry. Um, a Canadian book could be Ukrainian people moving to the prairies. But is that a Ukrainian story or is that a Canadian mm-hmm. story? Like, so many of our works are based on immigration stories or enclaves. Like, tons of books about uh, the Jewish community in Montreal. You know, that's, that is a quintessentially Canadian story, even though it takes place in a French city and it's about like the Jewish community. It doesn't really have anything to do with here in Alberta, for instance. Yeah. So Canadian identity is constantly being revised and Canadian art is constantly being scrutinized to see (laughs) is this Canadian or not. So difficult subject. But yeah, watch Scanners. (laughs) Yeah. And I'd also also like to point out Sarah Pauly, one of my favorite Canadians. Or Uh, Ann Wheeler. Yeah. She started out as a TV actress on Road to Avonlea, which is a popular show based on the books of Lucy Maud Montgomery, who also wrote Anne of Green Gables. Uh, And now she's moved on to be a a writer-director. And so her films 
away from her, take this waltz, and her documentary stories we tell are incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's fantastic. Uh, again, this is interesting because when you say, like, when you ask for essential Canadian films, I, my mind goes to, like, Nobody Wave Goodbye, Going Down the Road. On est, on, Jésus, on est au Coton. Yeah, Jésus de Montréal, uh, Pour la Suite du Monde. But no one wants but to watch these. I do not recommend starting there. Those are, like, 100% like your textbook essential Canadian films. But most Canadians have never seen those movies. You know what? Like, unless you've really studied the history of Canadian cinema. Okay. The FUBAR guy. This is what I was going to say. Michael Douse. So if you really want to understand where we're from, uh, Michael Douse's FUBAR films are one, like, totally, like, what our lives were like growing up. Yeah. And uh, Goon and Goon 2. Yeah. I mean... Sure, those movies ostensibly take place in the U.S., but uh, that's Jay Baruchel was the director of the second one. Yeah. But, like, yeah, the small-town hero who's also, like, a hockey enforcer, that is, that's Canadiana right there. Yeah, and uh, Calgary filmmaker uh, Gary Burns is also fantastic. Uh, he uh, He's made a couple of films that I really love, uh, Kitchen Party and Way Downtown. Way Downtown. Totally. Kind of... <laughs> Depicts Edmonton for six months of the year, even though it takes place in Calgary. Yeah, it takes place in Calgary. Calgary, our hated rival. Yeah. Uh, Also really love the work of Don McKellar. Uh, Though my favorite Don McKellar thing is a TV show. It's Twitch City, which might be like... And and, and he works with Bruce McDonald a lot. Also love Bruce McDonald. Uh, Twitch City might be the most quintessentially Canadian thing. Uh, Interestingly, I feel like we should address this. I'm not a huge fan of Deepa Mehta. I don't know Mm -hmm. if you are. No. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) and, And... I, I often see her films listed uh, sometimes on list of Bollywood films, and I guess I always kind of scratch my head because for for me she's she's an, she's an Indian Canadian filmmaker, and often her films are about India. But for me, she's very much in the Canadian film world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and while I think some of them have been very good, I think mo- I've seen a lot of her filmography, and most of it I actually dislike. Uh, Biba Boys, which she did with Randy Pahuda, I thought was, which is about like Punjabi gangsters in Vancouver, uh, with a small Paul, like small Paul Gross role with like a oh, that's how you could tell it's man bun. Yeah, uh, oh, did not care for that. So yeah, interestingly, I don't. In, I, you would think that I would recommend the films of Deepa Mehta, considering, yeah. you know, curveball. No, <laughs> but I, I'm not a huge fan. We could yeah. probably also answer Ashish Madathi's other question now. Yeah. Uh, why do you think some cultures don't have mass-produced pop culture industries? Money I, and power. I think I would say that most cultures probably do have some sort of mass-produced pop culture industry. Yeah, like the Ni- like Nollywood, the Nigerian film industry is huge. Yeah, it's just more. Does it get outside of its own country? Yeah. So, like, regional stuff rarely gets a chance to break out because of American cultural hegemony and also other countries kind of taking up all the room. That would be my short answer. Well, and it's interesting because even, like, Quebecois films don't find an audience in France. Yeah. So, uh... It's very classist, though. French people don't really like it. Yeah. Starbuck, the Ken Scott film, which got remade in Hollywood as Delivery Man. And got remade in Bollywood as (laughs) Vicky Donor. Yes. It was remade in France. (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's already in French. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, there's there's all kinds of problems like regionalism and that sort of thing. But my guess is that American cultural imperialism beats everybody. Yeah, I think that is. And and now we're seeing, you know, 
far of like a, a huge impact of Chinese media mm-hmm. and uh, Korean and Korean. But I think, I mean, we talked about this in our episode about uh, Bollywood remakes of Korean films. Korea has put the money in and the time to mm-hmm. to both develop their uh, cultural industries and to market them to the world. Yeah. So, and I just I don't think all countries have the foresight to do that or necessarily the resources to do that. No, they bank, and it's a gamble too, they bank everything on culture and it worked out. And I wish Canada would do the same thing. Yeah. This episode of Bollywood is for Lovers is brought to you by World on Fire, a new podcast from CBC Edmonton. World on Fire is a new five-part series that takes you to the front lines of -of out-of-control wildfires in Canada, Australia, and California. Here's a preview. Some people say the end is near Some say that it's already here Holy When your backyard is burning, is anywhere safe? I'm Adrian Lamb, and I'm hosting a new podcast called World on Fire. Along with wildfire expert Mike Flanagan, we're taking you to the front lines of fires burning out of control in North America, Australia, even the Arctic. We'll meet the reporters who are covering these devastating stories and hear from the people who, despite terrible loss, rebuild again and again. This goes on, and like when I grow up, maybe that this is going to be even worse, and I might actually be in a situation where there's a wildfire around me. We'll tell you what the future holds and take you inside the latest tools and technology, providing hope. That's World on Fire, a five part original podcast from CBC Edmonton, available on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. You could find World on Fire on the CBC Listen app or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also find it online at cbc.ca slash worldonfire. I'm Sheena Rossiter, the host of Storylines, a podcast brought to you by Women in Film and Television Alberta. It's a podcast for filmmakers by filmmakers, but it's also a podcast for film and television lovers. We've been speaking with some of the most successful women in film and television with links to Alberta, and we'll hear about everything from how they got their start in the industry. I was writing before I could even spell. I think it's in your blog. To getting a behind-the-scenes look at some of their best projects. Oh, yes, it was really difficult to get broadcasters on board. And hearing about some of the obstacles they faced along the way. We're making waves, but there's still some barriers to power and access that we're still facing. These stories of determination and persistence are the storylines that make up these women's careers. Join me, Sheena Rossiter, as we hear from some of the brightest minds in film and television from in front of and behind the camera. Subscribe now to Storylines wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, follow your storylines. We can't wait to see where they lead. Uh, What is it about Hindi films that attracts a foreigner apart from the dancing? Slash, how do Bollywood films appeal to you as a cultural outsider? How do you view them? And this is from Karma, Karmat7 and Monsoon... Monsoon blues. Monsoon underscore blues. Um, I have a quick answer. So, in my watching of Hindi cinema, 
I think that the people making it and also the audience watching it have an appreciation for the history of Hindi cinema. There are so many references to old things, music stings, or scenes lifted from other movies, that it feels like the average Hindi cinema consumer is expected to know more about the history of Hindi cinema, actors, that kind of thing, than your average Hollywood person is. Hollywood is like a blank slate every time. Here's some, you know, new dumb thing. You don't have to care about the history of car chases. You don't need to know about Bullet to get the, you know, Fast and the Furious movies. And in fact, you're probably better off because, you know, things might have been done better back in the past. But I think all those cultural references, like, they impress us and they excite us because they're they're new to us. If, you know, if that is your culture, you might not think that that is as special or as interesting. Yeah, but I... I because that stuff is already within your pop culture. Sure, but I, I just appreciate the reverence that Hindi cinema has for Hindi cinema. Yeah. And it's I, not, like, pretentious. It's just more like, we all like this thing. Yeah, I do, too. I think... I think, for me, the thing that attracted me to Bollywood is that it's a completely different film language. Mm-hmm. So you know how in North America, comic books are all about superheroes? Mm-hmm. Well, in Europe, they are not. And in mm-hmm. Japan, they are not. And though it, it, it's the same medium, but those industries went in different directions and developed their own language. Yeah. And so I think that's the same thing with... Bollywood and with with other cinema cultures around the world like mm-hmm. it is different from Hollywood it developed its own language it developed its own structure and that's the thing that really excited me when I first started watching Bollywood films and I think Obviously, that, uh, that alienates people sometimes too oh I think it is alienating because I think people like they expect they expect movies to look and feel and move a certain way. Mm-hmm. And they and, and they take a lot of that from the kind of the rules that were kind of laid down in the classic Hollywood era. So your shot, reverse shot, your 180 degree rule, your three act structure. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the thing that became really exciting um, about Japanese cinema in the 50s was like, look, Look at the angles that Ozu was looking. Look at how he doesn't care about the 180 degree rule. Look at the pillow shots in between scenes. Yeah, and I and I I do love Ozu, but I had a similar thing kind of when I started to get into Bollywood. I was like, oh, look at this like six act structure. Look at the sound effects to kind of play to the back walls. Like, hey, everyone can appreciate this joke because there's like a boing sound. Yeah, and obviously Bollywood is somewhat in dialogue with Hollywood. All like we live in a global culture. Look at Doom Three, the first one I saw. Yeah. All film industries at this point now are in dialogue with one another to a certain extent. You know, they're yeah. talking about a remake of Parasite um, here in the U.S. So, you know, but it just, it was like, oh, this is, these movies have been going on for 100 years and they've developed their own, their own formulas. They've developed their own language. Mm-hmm. And so that, that's part of what was really interesting to me. But that's. That's me, and I understand that not everyone is as interested in this in the cinematic language in, in the way that I am. Yeah, not everyone also, is curious. Yeah. I was also really excited by their commitment to romance. Yes. Uh, I feel like romance has died in Hollywood movies to a certain extent. Uh, though, you know, there, there, have, there have been some hits over the years. Uh, and their interest in melodrama. I love melodrama let's go back to the rom-coms for a second because a romantic comedy in the 40s and 30s that was the best thing you could do like there's the big mgm musicals your busby berkeley's etc but like 
a snappy, you know, screwball comedy. Philadelphia. Everyone story. loved that. Yeah. Everyone is inherently interested in seeing two attractive people to get together. Unless maybe you might be asexual or the one that's not interested in romance. I'm not mm-hmm. entirely sure about all those different uh, orientations. But like people like to see attractive people get together. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, unless you live an extremely dangerous and exciting life, you're probably mm-hmm. not going to get into a car chase. You're probably not going to get into yeah. a gunfight. But, everyone- but odds are you might fall in love with somebody, ideally. Maybe more than one, you mm-hmm. know? It, that's a thing that is pretty universal. And that's something that Bollywood does extremely well. I also think they're just incredibly entertaining. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're trying to be entertaining. The, yeah, they're they are often just trying to really entertain you, and they can entertain you and still kind of bring up serious social issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I just the thing that appealed to me was that it was something that was new to me, something that I hadn't really explored before. We studied Bollywood briefly uh, when I was getting my university degree. But for the most part, we didn't touch a lot on Indian cinema. And we, we've talked to classes now. Like, we're actually trying to help. <laughs> yeah. So I just, and again, I was just, I was just excited about it. Like, I, I but I'm, I, I do want to say that I, I, I am interested in film industries all over the world. Um, mm-hmm. Currently, I'm very passionate about Bollywood. Uh, and I, I don't think that will change. Mm-hmm. But it was just, yeah, it was, it was exciting. And I, I think the big thing is just, yeah, how it's it's unique. I think that if you call yourself a film fan mm-hmm. and you are not exploring things from other countries and other styles of business, you are doing yourself a huge disservice and probably aren't actually a film fan. Yeah. You might be a Scorsese movie fan or something, or you like Quentin Tarantino, but you're limiting yourself to... A very, very, very small tranche of even what Hollywood has to offer, much less the world. Tarantino's a good point, um, just bringing him up, because he has an avarice for cinema all over the... Like, from yeah. any decade, all over the world. And he's just like, if something excites him, if something interests him, whether it's highbrow, whether it's lowbrow, he appreciates it. And while I find Tarantino as a personality a bit frustrating and annoying, um, his genuine appetite for movies uh i i admire and i guess yeah i i guess i just i had a similar i had a similar feeling when i first started to get into bollywood where i went like what is this this is exciting you know like tarantino discovering like 70s exploitation films right and chinese movies like kung fu movies and stuff like he brought those into the public consciousness in a way that made them more palatable to your regular western viewer and Slumdog Millionaire is probably the closest thing that's come to bringing uh, Hindi popular cinema to the Western yeah, world. Yeah, that and Bride and Prejudice. Bride and Prejudice, and also the work of Baz Luhrmann. Yeah. But oh, yeah. Unless you know that, like, every review says he's influenced by Bollywood, but like, I think a lot of people don't know how influenced by Bollywood Baz Baz Luhrmann is. But it's also like, sure, he's not influenced by you know. Um, a social message picture with Jaya Bakshan in the 70s or something. Like, he's interested in, like, a Bansali type thing. Yeah. Like, that's the sort of thing that interests him. But the reviewers usually just say, he's Bollywood-influenced. And then that leads people to believe that a over-the-top melodramatic song, A Dance Affair, that, like a Baz Luhrmann movie, is what everything is. Yeah, and I guess that's that's the other thing that really kind of... It tokenizes ap- ...appealed it. to me about Bollywood and, and why I started to get into them is... 
because because the the one that really it wasn't the first one I saw, but the one that really hooked me was Lutera, which mm-hmm. is not like it's it's not a big song and dance spectacle. It's mm-hmm. a very kind of straightforward romantic melodrama period piece, and 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 that I, I was just excited by the diversity, mm-hmm. you know, and one one and last, the attractive people. Yeah, <laughs> and on that note, one last thing that you've mentioned before, and I agree with, is that. Um, Bollywood movies allow you to see male bodies in attractive poses and in various states of undress. Like, Hollywood movies now are so sexless and boring Mm. in that sense. There's a lot of spectacle. There's a lot of people getting punched. But there isn't actually any sort of human connection and, like, hotness. Like, you'll (laughs) see hot people's faces. You'll occasionally see an actress's tits. But that's it. Like, you don't see hot guys Mm. in the same way. That's why people like superhero movies, by the way. They like seeing people in spandex. They joked about that in the latest Avengers movie where it's like, that's America's ass. And everyone had a good time looking at Chris Evans' ass. But, like, underwritten there is a, like... Why aren't we seeing that ass all the time? Why, why is why is this the only a little bit of sexuality that's given to us? Yeah, I think there there's some. I've always said that there's something about bodies on screen, about human bodies on screen, and and so yeah, I agree with that. I'd also say that like Ebert talked about film as being an empathy machine, mm-hmm. and 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 Bollywood was just. Yeah, it's it's a window to another part of the world. It's nice. Something that Bollywood does extremely well is populism mm. and also highlighting people from different um, walks of life. Yeah. Because, again, if you're only watching Hollywood movies, you're typically watching well-to-do white people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they might be well-to-do white people pretending to be a poor person from Boston or something. But, like, in Hindi movies, you might just see a little person in a movie. The movie's not about someone who's a, you know... Uh, has dwarfism or whatever they're just there or someone with a physical disability they're there it doesn't necessarily need to be the movie about i'm in a wheelchair it's just oh yeah that guy's got a his arm's not good like that just happens more often in hindi cinema it is more inclusive it tries to appeal to to everybody i mean it's more inclusive to a point to a point yes there's often a lot of fair-skinned actors and obviously we talked about the nepotism there's colorism there's casteism there's all that stuff but Pound for pound, I think your average Hindi cinema shows you a wider range of human existence than a Hollywood movie. Mm-hmm. I'll leave it at that. That seems like <laughs> a good way to stop. Um, okay, here's a good one. Which cocktail is Aaron Fraser most proud of? Seabu <laughs> the Goblin. Uh, oh, uh, tiki cocktails. I love to make tiki drinks. They're my favorite. Uh, so anything that has like 10 plus ingredients, uh, that always makes me really excited. It's probably a Cobra Spang. Uh, and then also, like, when it looks really good. You invented a cocktail named after your mother. Oh. Louis Strathcona. That's a good one. Right. And I also think, I think you're still working on it, but the King Con was pretty good, too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I guess I wasn't thinking about the ones that, like, I've developed myself. I'm not really proud of any of the ones I've developed myself. I just... Yeah, but you're too, you know, you're, you're the sort of person who won't take credit for things. I'm most so. proud of when I make a tiki drink with, like, 10 plus ingredients. Yeah. And then, like, I garnished it over But the, the ones top. you invented yourself are also good. Light it on fire. Yeah. Yeah. This uh, is a weird question. So then Teped Waters asks, the films from which other country are closest to Indian films in your experience of world cinema? Probably Pakistani films. Yeah, that's the closest <laughs> analog. But I'll also say that 
some Korean movies operate on an emotional wavelength of right. just like wham super romance or oh horror is happening i think that they're also kind of on the spectrum of uh some sorts of hindi cinema yeah chinese cinema can be like that as well yeah i think Damn. that movies that popular chinese cinema yeah like, i think that movies that are in the populist mode mm-hmm. like that can have wild emotional swings that are often similar to hindi mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i wouldn't disagree with that uh, oh, and then Candid Gamera asks, can you please share a favorite recipe? Uh, I love to cook. And Andrea, that's Candid Gamera's name, uh, I will I will send you a recipe. But I guess a favorite one. You know what I really like is um, the Jayuk Bokukum. Yeah. Uh, so I mostly tend to make Indian food, Korean food, Japanese food, and Mexican food. Um, that's the stuff that kind of... That I, I gravitate towards. I have a lot of cookbooks. We eat a lot of rice. <laughs> we eat a lot of rice. Um, but my Jayak Bokikum is a uh, pork belly stir fry dish with uh, gochujang and cabbage and uh, rice cakes. And you can eat it wrapped up in lettuce and it's delicious. I would also say all of the recipes we've tried from Sri Rao's book, Bollywood Very Kitchen, good, yeah. have all been great. Yeah. So we made that one last out. night. Yeah. We, we use that book all the time. Yeah. They're good. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. There you go. I'll send that to you, Andrea. Hope you like it. I Andrea likes Korean food. She'll like that. There. Mm-hmm. Have you noticed a change in Bollywood films over the years? Monsoon Blues. Um, well, apart from trying to debut new stars and. There's definitely a shift towards nationalist, almost propaganda movies about how cool the Indian Army is. Mm-hmm. The That's rise of the uh, sports biopic. Yeah, and sort of everyday guy, actually Kumar movies, that kind of thing too. I think the big thing that we're noticing is what's been called the rise of the like Mindy film. Yes. Uh, so Indian cinema was kind of often um, bifurcated into like these two lanes. Um, so there's kind of the mainstream Bollywood lane, which also includes kind of like mainstream um, Telugu and Tamil action films, which, um, you know, as, as, as I don't know if we've discussed on the show, um, a lot of like the Salim Javed scripts would get remade in yeah. South India. So like it seems like it happens all the time. Both cultures. Yeah. Sharing. Yeah. So there's that kind of like mainstream stream and then there's parallel cinema and parallel cinema was called parallel cinema because it ran parallel to the mainstream but never crossed over never touched and so that's you your, can't cross the streams there that's your sayoji rai uh but now we're seeing more of a mix between those two modes this is the ayushman so, karana and rajkumar rao zone yeah exactly so kind of Bollywood films are becoming a bit more naturalistic, mm-hmm. uh, and and there's a lot there's a lot of reasons that that people pointed to as to why because uh, India has one of the largest um, growing middle classes in the world, and they also have a huge diaspora, and so people are starting to expect kind of uh, more Slice naturalism, of more realism yeah. in their films. They're they're kind of starting to expect that. Uh, and appreciate that. And indi- independent cinema, indie cinema is kind of incorporating more of like music and kind of the stars s- and the song and dance stuff into into their film. So I think that's the big thing that we're seeing. That's the the kind of big trend that that we've noticed is just kind of the crossing of the streams and the mixture, the, the rise of the Mindy, the kind of middle yeah 
middle film. I'd also say that... The film that's in between those two. Um, a perfect example is something like Dear Zindigi. Yeah. Yeah. Featuring the biggest movie star in the world. Yeah. As essentially the main character's therapist. Yeah. Like, that's interesting, and that wouldn't happen recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also say that Hindi cinema is putting out the best crime movies mm. on the planet right now, with maybe Korea, best, yeah. Korea and Japan as exceptions. But like, they are doing such good work. And if you wouldn't be listening to this if you weren't already like a fan of world cinema, but like, they are eating Hollywood's lunch when it comes to gangster movies and like cop movies and stuff. Like, they're doing such a good job on that and exploring these things from various angles. Mm-hmm. So good. We've already answered this one. Yeah. So then we've got. Okay, so this is one we're going to kind of answer like wise asses, but then we'll answer normally. Do you have a favorite decade or period? Why or why not? I think it would be cool to live in the 1920s and then like leave before the Great Depression starts. Um, this is Bali Lit, so by the way. Yeah. They're, uh, I'm fascinated by Weimar Germany culture is interesting. The Roaring Twenties, Flappers, all that stuff, the Jazz Age, great literature, great music, all kinds of good stuff in the 20s. Um, but yeah, the 30s. No good. So if I could live <laughs> purely in the 20s, that'd be good. Uh, I love the 60s and the 70s. These are probably... And I love the 90s. Oh, I You love the, the 90s. 90s, yeah. Um, but I, I do always think the best decade is the current one because it allows you to appreciate all of the stuff from the previous decades without well, really having to uh, engage with maybe some of the more negative aspects well, of Well, yeah. Take my love of the 20s with a grain <laughs> of salt as I am a uh, white male, mm-hmm. able-bodied, uh, not gay... Like, everything's going for me. Living in most areas would be pretty easy. Whereas being a woman, being, you know, person of color, that increases the difficulty level of living in almost any other decade. So I totally understand why living right now yeah. is the best. Uh, for movies, though, for Bollywood movies... Whew. Aside from, like, right now, I'd say the 50s and the 70s have been the stuff that it has excited me the most. Angry Young Man stuff in the 70s is yeah. cool. Um I know, I, I guess also, the 60s, like the 50s, 60s, 70s. Yeah. I also think that there's kind of a pocket late 2008 to about 2012 or so mm-hmm. of dumb action movies, your races, mm-hmm. your dooms. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's good. That's mm-hmm. good stuff. And it's fun to look back at, for instance, the Doom series, which started off as John Abraham stealing uh, DVD players, I think. And then it turns up into this crazy Baroque magic prestige type ripoff thing for Doom mm-hmm. 3. Like, there is a lot of fun there. And I don't know if there's been a big dumb action movie that I've liked mm-hmm. recently in that vein. War. War War was a return to form, but your debongs, your other things, don't like him as much. I will say that it's 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 hard to, to get access to movies from... The yeah. past decades, unfortunately. So we've seen very few films from the 50s and the 60s. But I love them whenever we do, whenever we are able to see them. But we're also cherry-picking, like, Yeah, you're only looking at the best the ones. Best, so. When it comes to your yearly wrap-ups, I'm watching all kinds of forgettable things from 2019, 2020. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that was an interesting question. Uh, what is something you'd like to change in Bollywood films? This is from Monsoon Blues. Good question. Uh, sexism. Sexism. I would like women to be paid as much as men. I would like people of various different skin tones um, to show up more. I would like more um, LGBTQ plus stories. I would like more stories about people of 
different casts and background and this is not to say that I just, the west is good at this either but yeah you asked us about Baldur. yeah if i would what would i change i would like to make them as diverse as possible to reflect india um as much as possible mm-hmm. me too yeah good question like that's that's <laughs> probably like yeah uh next one is uh, Shahid. Okay, I actually have a quicker answer for this than I think than you were expecting. Okay. If you could chronicle your journey into movies and becoming cinephiles. First up, shot. that's not a question. Second, <laughs> um, I think what happened to me was, uh, so, grew up in the country, as mm-hmm. Rick said earlier, getting satellite TV and being able to watch channels that would just have a movie on every day, it was good. That's how I kind of got mm. 90s Hollywood, that kind of thing. But getting into anime in mm. high school is what I think opened me up to other film cultures being worthwhile to look into. I would have watched like Astro Boy and stuff as a little kid, but when Bong Joon Ho says that the barrier of one inch at the bottom of the screen, if you can get behind that, you can get into all sorts of interesting movies. I think I broke through that barrier early by watching a lot of uh, subbed anime. Mm-hmm. And then that introduced me to all kinds of world stuff because we also saw French films in school. Yeah, we saw some French yeah. stuff at school, and so we didn't like. I think that's also important is we were exposed to um, to media in other languages growing up. Yeah, and um, definitely going to university really opened me up to something like the French New Wave, which I wouldn't have seen earlier. And then mm-hmm. you can definitely track a course from that into other things. But, um, yeah, watching movies in high, sc- in high school, watching anime, having access to, you know, trashy movies on Showcase or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, Poison Ivy. Yeah, or Jade or, you know, 90s erotic thrillers. <laughs> you know, I've never seen Jade. That's uh, dumb. <laughs> but It's Friedkin. Yeah, it's also <laughs> David Caruso. Um, but that, like, satellite TV made me interested in watching movies in general. Right. You had cable, so you... No, I didn't. No, you didn't. So you had farmer TV like me. Mm-hmm. But, like, anime was the move into world cinema. And then appreciating cinema as... From an intellectual perspective from university. Yeah, I... I mean, for as long as I can remember, I've had an interest in movies. And I've loved movies. And my, my parents love movies. Mm-hmm. And my parents... Uh, you know, they'll watch anything. Mm-hmm. You know, they are very adventurous. Yeah, they they watch a lot of mainstream Hollywood films, but it was not uncommon for them to watch a film in a language other than English, especially if it was like nominated for Oscars. You know, it's like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and stuff like that. That's how a lot of um, old people just kind of get into the Oscars, essentially. Yeah, like that. That is the window to the world. Yeah, and which is one. I mean, I don't even I know, need to I know. get into it, all the reasons why I love the Oscars. It but, is a faulty window. It needs to be yeah. reinstalled. Um, but yeah, so growing up, I watched a lot of movies with them, and and they would also watch old movies. Like I remember watching um, The Heat of the Night mm-hmm. uh, with with my mom, who loves Sidney Poitier. Your mother has a very specific love <laughs> of movies about uh, black people in the South. And incremental change in them getting better. Like yeah. Selma or like, yeah, she likes racial tension movies. And yeah. she has a thing for Sidney Poitier. <laughs> well, I mean, who doesn't have a thing for Sidney Poitier? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, for as long as I can remember, I've had an interest in movies and in film and in, in storytelling. And so 
uh, yeah, watched, like, especially when I was a teenager, started to get really, really into movies. I remember renting Guy Madden's The Saddest Music in the World, and every single member of my family walked out of the room. Classic. <laughs> they couldn't handle it. Who was the one that um, held on the longest? Was it Jeff? I think so. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, and I remember watching, like, taking out a library things like Dancer in the Dark and Run, Little Run when I was a teenager. Uh, and so then, yeah, when when I was looking at what to study in university, movies were in, was an obvious pick. And it's just like, I, I love cinema. It's a big part of my life. It feels a lot like work now because it's the thing. You know, when you make what a lot of people consider a pastime, what a lot of people do for entertainment for and to fun, relax. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, what a lot of people do for fun when you make that your um, kind of job your job and and the thing that you kind of devote like your study to it kind of loses its fun but you become jaded but then when you see something really good you appreciate it even more because it's risen above yeah yeah but i just like yeah so i guess yeah that's the the yeah. best there way go, to explain that wasn't that hard. it um okay Top five songs. Top five songs. This if is hard. You, yeah. If you were to curate a best of Bollywood album length playlist, what 15 songs would you choose? What is your favorite Bollywood film song and or soundtrack? This is from Karma Karmit 7, Sibu the Goblin, and Morgan Siesta. I am not going to put together a list of yeah. 15 songs. I will this is say too hard. Ramta Jogi, Chaya Chaya. Yeah. Um, like, I like big populist songs. Well, okay. So... We're going to catch some flack for this because as far as I can tell, your average Hindi film fan on Twitter is probably more into the big ballads mm. than we are. We're more into the like kind of pop bangers. Yeah. And this is because we don't understand what they're saying. <laughs> um, and we're forced to uh, use that one inch at the bottom to try and get the meaning. And like in our reading on Bollywood, we know that like... The songs kind of come from a tradition of Urdu poetry. And sometimes the subtitles reflect this. Sometimes it's you're able to tell that like this is a really moving ballad with like beautiful mm-hmm. imagery. But a lot of the time you cannot tell if you can't speak Hindi. So that's why we gravitate towards the more openly fun songs, I think, because that's what we're able to understand. That, say, that being said, all the songs that Dil say regardless of if they are the fun bangers or not. I think those are all fantastic. All the many Ratnam songs. Yeah, and I love a lot of um, Emmett Trevetti's uh, ballads, yeah. like the ones he did for um, uh, Ashki too, which is a film I don't like, but I like those songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't. In the Night No Control, though, I think we can all agree. Oh, my God. It's probably good. the best to Hindi song. Yeah, I, I don't listen to a lot of music in English. Or, no, I should say I li- – I listen to a lot of music in in languages other than English, mostly Korean and Hindi. So I think I just I gravitate towards upbeat disco. I love disco. I was gonna say the the Dawn soundtrack. I think is fantastic. My all time favorite soundtrack is probably the Gangs of Wasipur soundtracks. It has such a diverse selection. Of yeah, stuff, there's su- like the such such good music. They're they're so well put together. Um, Jimmy 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 Aja. Oh yeah, that's really good. I really love. Um, that song in um, Raman Raghav 2.0. Oh, yeah. Um, I'll find it right here. Yeah, that one's a, another club banger. Yeah. Um, uh, Katal E.M. Like, yeah. yeah I, cause, that pumps you up. Yeah. 
I like big sounds. And I, again, I'm a maximalist. I want like... Everything. Yeah, I want a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, we're just looking at our I love stuff. the Student of the Year soundtrack too. I think yeah. that one's really fun. There's some great stuff there. Mm-hmm. Um, Gully Boy soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Um, Sheila Kijavani. Accidentally yeah. turned on a the Uta Punjab soundtrack is really good too. Yeah, and the Yajavani Hai Javani soundtrack is um yeah good stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. We're what, just looking okay. at like what we listen to. Here on is our a here is a question. Okay, so the movie Rockstar and some other ones. Oh, I don't like them. Have yes, they <laughs> what they've done is shown kind of like a Hindi version of I'm gonna say like a U two type song mm-hmm. or maybe like Creed that kind of power ballad. I want to hear Hindi Iron Maiden. <laughs> I don't know if it exists, but that's sort of like nerdy metal. That's what I would like to see. I We should listen to the um to the Detective Biomkesh Bakshi soundtrack again cuz I remember like not really finding that music. It was weird. I, New metal. I, yeah, I didn't really like it, and now I wonder if I if I look, listen to it again if I'd appreciate it more. The main song from Marco Dard Nahihota. Mm, also a very good that's song. That's a good one, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I just like... I think our tastes are just kind of different from other people's though. Well, and I also just think I've never really been like a music file person. Like, yes, I yeah. find like other people get like really into music, which I got really into movies, not into music. So for to me, for me, like music is just like Part my background soundtrack. Yeah. No, but like when I listen to music in yeah. my life, like it's just like, it's just my background soundtrack. Yeah, I don't um, think you ever really got obsessed with a band. Not really. Uh, I, you know, and I, I like bands and I like, like, I like K-pop a lot. You like like individual songs is the thing. Yeah. I love music videos, which I think is going to tie into the, the, the the next question actually, which is, uh, again from Josh Shahid who asks, what separates movies from other storytelling media for you? Um, and why is that appealing to you? I'm a very visual person. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I think that's for me movies um is like this it's this distillation of storytelling and song and music and performance and it's just like it's just everything everything Mm -hmm. is coming together uh my quick answer on this which i hope is gnomic and kind of interesting is that they are very big yeah i like the feeling of seeing something very big happening in front of me. Collaborative. Yeah, that's even though auteur theory would argue against that, I think it is kind of cool that one of our main art forms that are appreciated by people the world over is a collective effort of hundreds, maybe thousands yeah. of people. And I mean we could get more kind of philosophical and talk about like Walter Benjamin and art in the, the age proscenium of arch and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Or in the no, age. I like them because they're big. Yeah. Big in the sense of big, beautiful actors doing things and I get to just Forget everything else for a little bit. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think for me, yeah, the way that just like it all comes together, like s- storytelling and sound and performance, like it's like theater and music and literature. <laughs> and visual art. And visual art. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's done well. Like I said, I'm very visual. So. Okay. Top five filmmakers, both from India, that you've seen. Film slash makers. Yeah. Karma, Karmit, seven. Uh, from India. Okay. Uh Sanjay Leela Bansali, Anirai Kashyap, uh, S.S. Rajamouli, um, Zoya Akhtar, um, and kind of your 70s mishmash of 
Salim Javed movies, Rishikesh Mukherjee, mm. that kind of stuff. Easy. Um, Lilo Joe's Pelissery. Oh, yeah, he's so good, too. This is this going to be another one where it's just like, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Zoya Akhtar, for sure. Um, Vikram Aditya Matwane. Uh, Shankar? Shankar is always worth watching, even though the movies might be just dumb. Yeah. Uh, I think Q is really interesting, but favorite, I don't know. I just, I haven't seen enough Guru Dutt and Bill Roy to really say. Um, Rushmore, Rushmore is fascinating. Mira Nair. Yeah. Mira Nair. Yeah. Who I you love, met? Yeah, I did meet Mira Nair. Uh, I love Mira Nair's work. Uh, they also want films. Oh, shit. Okay. Uh, From Luch- India. <laughs> yeah. Let me pull out my phone again. I mean, I think we already talked about this uh, a little bit. Lutera, but- Monsoon Wedding. Uh, Om Shanti Om, totally. Yeah. Uh, Angamelli Diaries, and oh, like a crime one. Um, Kahani. Okay. Bajra Mastani, Gangs of Wasipur, Om Shanti Om, Amar Akbar Anthony, I think. One of my favorite 70s movies altogether. Yeah. Um, Omkara, so good. Sancheria, I've been thinking about that movie a lot lately. Unta Punjab, um, Talvar, and Adun. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, that's pretty recent sampling, but... Yeah, I guess, like, we've potentially given different answers than when Kimberly Telly asked us to know our top three favorite Indian films. But... Sorry, Kimberly, you'll have to write us and get a no prize. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh... Oh, this is tiring. Um, okay. How is language recognition going for you as you watch more Hindi language media? Seba the Goblin. Okay, this is... So I was trying to do the uh, on-the-phone language recognition thing. Right. I think now, this is going to sound stupid, but I feel like compared to other Indian languages, I could tell when Hindi is being spoken. Mm. Like in... I can I can notice certain words like shoddy. Yeah, there's lots of words that I picked up along the way. I can notice when like they translate something different in the subtitles, like a certain word, like they make penny puri wafflers or something, but... I think, well, what, what I've noticed is that something like uh, Sacred Games, for instance, there's a lot of Marathi as well. Right. And I think I could tell when someone is speaking Hindi and when someone is speaking Marathi. I can tell uh, the South Indian languages, they have kind of like a fun rhythm to them. Yeah. I realize that this sounds super stupid, but like the fact that I could tell which language is being said, I think actually means quite a bit because a lot mm-hmm. of the movies delve in between languages all the time. And I feel like that's part of it. Like... Um, I mean, it's it's Mumbai movies that uh, there should be a lot more Marathi going on because that's what you would hear in the streets. Right. I feel like I can understand the difference between those. I don't know what they're saying half the time. Hindi, Hindi, I've picked up a lot of words, but like to construct a sentence is beyond me. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I can know what I'm being, what I'm hearing. Mm-hmm. Avinash Ajarapu asks, which movies from India have stayed with you the longest? Uh, in a good way or a bad way? Mastizade, I think about all the time as a stupid comedy that is hamstrung by the fact that it can't show nudity. Mm-hmm. So it has to kind of come up with contrived situations to get around that. And I do mm-hmm. think about it, even though I don't think it's a good movie. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not a great example, but. I guess here I'd say like Uta Punjab and Sancharia. Uh, I think about those two a lot. Lutera, that obviously stayed with me, uh, and and Om Shanti Om, because they're probably my two all-time favorites. Uh, one that stayed with me in a bad way. Uh, like, there's a smattering of Akshay Kumar films that that have, like... Entertainment? Yeah, entertainment and boss. Like, again, I don't know 
stayed with me. Maybe that's a stretch, but it certainly colored my opinion of him for a while. Uh, Lagan made me think that cricket is one of the most cinematic sports and also like one of the mo- most macho things I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Piku just hit such an emotional arc that you can, even though I'm not from a quarrelsome Bengali family, mm-hmm. I feel like I did kind of get that dynamic. Mm-hmm. And also, like, just kind of indelible images of that core three group of people. Uh, Uta Punjab, as you suggested. Yeah. Um, Barfi, the use of silent cinema and mm. gags and stuff, good stuff. And uh, screw it, Befakray. Mm. A movie that is actually awesome, and people who don't like it, I don't know what movie you saw. Because that movie rules. I would also say Amar Akbar Anthony. Like I see, mm-hmm. I see so much now in. Now that I watch like new films or contemporary films, I see so much of like Amar Akbar Anthony in them a lot of times. That's also a nation building film because yeah. it's a Muslim guy, a Hindu guy, and a Christian guy, mm-hmm. and it's showing that like yeah, you can actually have a country that has all these different groups inside of it. Mm-hmm. They can even give blood to the same person. Raj712 or 712 asks, I would <laughs> I would have asked about your India travel plans, but given the current situation, tell us which places in India, apart from Mumbai, have Bollywood movies made you want to visit? Goa. Uh, Goa looks great. Goa looks great. I would be very happy to visit Delhi. I think there's some cool sort of Calcutta? forts and things. Calcutta is my big one. I would City love to go mysteries. to Calcutta. Yeah, Calcutta looks great. Um you know, Lucknow looked pretty good in Galibo Sidibo, too. A little bit run down, but I think it was cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Calcutta and uh, Goa would be my big ones. Yeah. Interestingly, um, we did have a big trip planned before this virus, but it was to Japan, not to India. Yeah. I thought that was going to surprise people that we were going to Japan and not India, but we would like to get to India uh, one day. That was an interesting question. There's a lot of reverence attached to realism in cinema. Do you think realism is superior to other styles like formalism or musical theater? What do you prefer or do you think it's subject specific? I think that there is a lot of reverence attached to realism post 1950 or so. Because once you get the Italian neorealists in there and then you get kitchen sink movies and then that sort seems to be the standard. Ozu. Yeah, I think that's when it happens. Before then, fantastical stuff was happening all the time. And that was what people gravitated post, to. So, yeah, so post-war, you think it's when it becomes all about realism? Yeah, like that's the reverence attached to realism. But then you get Ashish the, Madathi, that was the yeah, question Yeah, but asker. then you get the French New Wave. Yeah. But, but, well, hold on. The thing about the French New Wave is the stories of the movies and the settings usually fairly realistic like yeah fahrenheit 451 maybe not but like it's gangsters it's lovers the actual stories are pretty commonplace but it's the editing techniques yeah, and style. the filmmaking that uh, changes so then you have to look at realism in story versus like creation of film yeah, I do agree that often stuff that is in a realist mode is considered art. That's what gets sent to the Oscars. And, yeah, and stuff that is in more stylized mode is often not, um, especially like musicals or, or more populous things. Uh, I I don't think realism is superior. No, escapism I, is perfectly valid. Yeah, I do think it potentially depends on 
the subject. And, you know, I was thinking, I was like, well, I wouldn't want to see like a Ken Loach film that's a musical. But then I'm like, well, Dancer in the Dark is kind of a Ken Loach film that's a musical. And it's amazing. Or London Fields, which I didn't see, but I love the concept of. Oh, yeah, that was great. Um, London Road. London Road, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I just like, I think it depends on execution. I, you know, I, I love the works of, you know, Mike Lee and, and Ken Loach and, and Ozu and, but you also love uh, Guy Men, who's the least realistic <laughs> filmmaker of all time. Yeah. But I love, I love Guy Madden and I love Farrakhan and I love Todd Haynes and Sirk. C- I love Douglas Sirk. So. I think what this question asker is getting at is that quote unquote realistic movies are typically critical darlings. Right. Whereas, you know, something like a Valyrian, for instance, <laughs> is despised for being completely over the top. Or Speed Racer. Speed Racer right. is the big one, where it's like, this movie is kind of a mess to watch. There's so much going on. It's so hyper-realistic. Mm-hmm. And I think that the realist mode is easier for people to understand. Yeah, like if you're so. watching a movie about a sad person who's like a window washer or something, you get immediately like, oh, this is artistic. Right. But uh, craft and filmmaking is a bit more difficult for your average person to to intellectualize, although I think they actually get it when they're watching the movie. Mm. Like you could see the effort that goes into Speed Racer, for instance. You might not you might think it's kind of vulgar, mm-hmm. but like deep down you understand that like, oh, this is like really well made even though the main character in the movie is named Speed Racer. Yeah, and I guess that's why like we champion Om Shanti Om a lot and I think people are frequently surprised by that. They disagree like, they want to a lot of people dismiss that film and I think, you know, they might be inclined to dismiss our opinions because of our champion of that film, but I look at it and I and I think it this takes just as much craft, just as much effort just as much work as it does to make uh, to make monsoon wedding yeah uh you know which is more far more realistic i love both of those films i love what both of those films do i love what both of those films have to say and i think it is just as exciting to to see something as uh, you know, as 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 drenched in kind of like the the fantastic and the spectacle, mm-hmm. as it is to see something that really connects um, in a very realistic, naturalistic level with the human experience. I think they both have have a place, um, but I, because I'm a bit of a maximalist and I like abstraction and I like melodrama and theatricality, uh, I really value what Farrah Khan is doing. Well, like. You can a surface level reading of that movie says it's a bunch of people in seventies costumes dicking around, right? Right, like it's a remake of Cars, yeah. And it's like, wouldn't it be cool to put two thousands people in seventies costumes and kind of surf on that nostalgia wave? But it's not. It's not Austin Powers. No. It's not. Um, it's like, about the power. It's, it's of not art. that seventies show. It's not like yeah. just seventies movies. It's about why do we still like these movies? What made them powerful? Yeah. And that is like transcends time. And like the difference between the 70s and now, it's not just like, look, clothes are different. It's like, look, nepotism happened. And look, they turned into kind of a whole complex of making movies as opposed to more of a cottage industry. So mm-hmm. there's a lot going on there. Anyway, yeah. that was a long uh, answer. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, Ashish Mathil also asks, what is your favorite Indian cinema outside Bollywood from everything you've consumed so far? Why? Same goes for favorite world cinema outside American and Indian cinema. I'd probably see, say, Palisari? Malayalam and Bengali. Mm-hmm. Um, I, because I think... Actually, it's interesting. I think uh, Bengali cinema, especially the parallel stuff I've seen, is often very you know, realist. Realist. Yeah. It's tapped into into those those realism trends, and I find them very powerful. Uh, and Malayalam cinema, I find the that the emotional depth is is very interesting. But I also and they get maximalist. Yeah, I also think that there's a lot of creative filmmaking there. I think the Shankar movies. Um, no one makes movies like that. Yeah. The Robot 2.0, and he did Ega, right? That was Rajamouli. That was Rajamouli. That kind of thing is very exciting to see. I don't know if I could watch it every day. Yeah. But like, I like and watching it. And that's Telugu. This. Yeah, and uh, uh, Bahubali whips ass. So good. Um, I wish there was a lot more movies like that. Mm-hmm. Um, outside of uh, American and India, I really like Korean movies. I really like Japanese movies, especially. I would probably say I've actually watched more Japanese movies than any other thing than Hindi and English language American? I would say 50s and 60s Japanese movies. Oh, I watch all the... Um, I, I, I watch a lot more of them. I think yeah, I think you watch uh, a lot. Although I, I do love contemporary Japanese cinema as well. I love um, what Kareda is doing. I think his stuff is very good. Uh, yeah, I love... But but I, I really love the the kind of fifties and sixties period that whole kind of like Nakatsu new wave yeah as well as like the height of Kurosawa and that's only live action in animation I think oh, we both yeah. adore Japanese cinema yeah and there's some interesting stuff coming out of China too yeah, yeah. lately yeah. I thought the Wandering Earth was actually really cool and it is that sort of big budget epic that people like and mm-hmm. the story is kind of stupid but like. All of the big budget action movies have stupid stories. <laughs> if you're looking for a story that makes sense, like don't go there. Yeah. The Wandering Earth is full of awesome spectacle. It's totally worth yeah. it. And yeah, I love contemporary Korean cinema. Uh, I really like Romanian New Wave. I'm less of a fan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think, uh, yeah, I think there's some great stuff there. Uh, Pearls of the Czech New Wave. That's worth <laughs> checking out. Great Criterion set or Criterion channel. Yeah, I'm a fan of Kabakwa cinema. I'm not big on Russian cinema. Yeah, no, we just leave it there. Okay. Dear Bollywood Pod, I'm super curious about your K-pop biases. Please spell. This is Suzette Chan. Uh, not a question, but, oh, Suzette. We might need a whole other episode for this. <laughs> no, I can do this quickly. Uh, I do love K-pop, and I think during the pandemic, I've been indulging in a lot of K-pop because I just, like, it's 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 distracting and it's fun uh snsd girls generation will is like my ultimate uh they're the band the band they're the group that got me interested in k-pop and, and how I, did you find them first uh i think because of YouTuber? g i think because of g because at one point oh that's g, a cute song yeah was like the the most viewed k-pop video on so it wasn't YouTube. psy uh, I found Girls' Generation kind of at the same time. That okay. That's how I was, was blowing up. Uh, I Got a Boy, I think, is like the greatest song ever written. Because it's like seven different songs <laughs> at the I same time. I love it so much. Uh, within SNSD, Sunny is clearly my bias. Uh, I also love 21. I, I adore CL. 
Uh, lately, I've been listening to a lot of Red Velvet. I don't really have um, a person within Red Velvet, like a, a group member that I gravitate to towards more than any. I think Mama Moo is your jam now, though. I've been listening to a lot of Mama Moo, and I adore Hwasa. In this house, we stand Hwasa. <laughs> we stand a legend. Uh, she's the best. I love her. Uh, yeah, those, those are my stands. Cool. Yours, Matt? I like that one song that I always forget that takes place in the 70s. Oh, um, it's a Tiara song. Uh, oh, it's like rock and roll something. I also really like uh, the fat guy in Super Junior. Every time I see him going for it, he rules. Don't call him the fat okay, guy. Okay, the slightly chubby guy. Like the me-shaped guy. How about that? <laughs> I like that guy in Super Junior. He's plugging away. Uh, Rain, pretty good. Oh, love Rain. Um, yeah. I can't say I'm as into it as you are, but no, <laughs> uh, I don't think many people could say that. No, let me let me just find that Tiara song for you. I think it's Bo Peep. Bo, is it Bo Peep? Bo Peep? Oh, it's Roly Poly. Roly Poly. It had Roly a silly Poly. name. Okay, uh, what was the first ever Bollywood movie you watched? What shocked you? Surprised you about it? What did you love and despise about it? How did you get into Bollywood? Oh so my this God. is Baisaki and Aikai Fishy. Uh, easy. My first Bollywood movie I ever saw was Mother India. I watched it in. Uh, film class, I think that which it, is the same film that we're going to be discussing in our next episode. Yeah, we'll you we'll hear all about that in a bit. Um, I do think that it is not the best choice for a film class. I don't think it is. It's very important. It got mm-hmm. the Oscar nomination or whatever, but like I don't know if it's really what you should be showing first-year global film students. Mm-hmm. I think that there's other movies you could show that are more representative and more fun. Yeah, and when we've been asked to select one for a film classes, we've chosen Um Chantillon. Uh The first one I saw was Dilse. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a gooder. Yeah, it was great. I think the thing that surprised me about it was uh, just the emotional level of it, um, the songs. I loved everything about it. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, for, for me, for Mother India... Uh, I really like the politics of it, actually. I like that, yeah. uh, what, Mehmood's, uh, no, Mehboob's, uh production logo was a big hammer and sickle, so that's the first thing you see. I thought that was cool. I thought the interest in uh, farming and the nation as a whole, tractors, all kinds of mm-hmm. stuff like that. That was interesting to me. The only place I'd seen that would be Soviet cinema. So yeah. I thought that that was an interesting link. Um, as far as things I despised about it, I wasn't a big fan of the music in Mother yes. India the first time I saw it. I found um, the the kind of pitch of the women's voices to be really high. Yeah, I think that's a lot of Mangeshkar, right? Um, I've since come to appreciate that, but I didn't like that at first. Well, it's sort of like classical Chinese and Japanese music, where there also is a very high-pitched women's voice. Yeah. And... To our ears, it's a little alienating first, but once you get used to it, then you're fine. Yeah. Uh, Desi Casanova asks, who is more handsome, Salman Khan or Shah Rukh Khan? Shah Rukh Khan, I don't think Salman Khan is attractive at all. I think Shah Rukh Khan has so much face mm-hmm. that it, like, transforms. Like, taking individually his different face parts, I don't know if they work, mm-hmm. but altogether in the whole package, he's kind of like a like a James Cagney or something where he's got a lot going on, but it works. Mm-hmm. Uh, Salman Khan, I think, is just kind of regular handsome. He is a movie star, but I think it's not just because he's handsome. There's, It's his physicality differently from SRK. Mm-hmm. Like they, All three of the cons have a different route to becoming the megastars that they are. And... Uh, 
Shah Khan wears it on his sleeve. It's his face. It's his emotions. That's the big part. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm not particularly attracted physically to any of the three cons. Um, for me, it's Ranveer Singh and Bithik Roshan, if you want to talk yeah, about Yeah, those like, are the hotties. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Shaw asks, are there any Bollywood f- movies, you, are there any Bollywood movies you liked at first watch and then changed your mind on because of whatever reason afterwards? Uh, no, I think I've done the reverse. There's stuff that I didn't quite like at first that then I I did start to like. Uh, I wasn't... You know, the first time I saw Gangs of Wazipur, I kind of felt worn down by the whole thing. Now I really like it, but that it's a long one, walk. It's, it was, a, it's a long It was walk. a lot. Um, I didn't particularly like Mither India the first time I saw it, but, you know, as we'll get to, I appreciate it more now. I think that um, if I was to go back and look at some Indian cop movies, I might think about them differently, right. given what we know about... Uh, police brutality especially in India like some of that stuff I might not be as into Um, I might also think differently about some of the nationalist stuff Mm -hmm. like Wanted for instance it's one of those ones where it's like the Indian Army rules they've never done anything wrong like "Mm, they might have done a few things wrong but I will say that like the negative reaction to stuff like Gunde and Gray has only kind of made me like it more. Like I acknowledge some of the political stuff about Gunde uh, and and the way it represents the the Bangladeshi um, independence movement. Yeah, I acknowledge that, but I still like I, putting that aside. I still think it's a fun film. I know a yeah. lot of people think it's cheesy and stupid. I like that's it. That's why I like it. Yeah. That's that's one of the parts about it. Uh, Non-Samantha Non-Samantha asks waffles or pancakes? Waffles. Yeah, waffles, but if French toast is available, that's number one. Oh yeah, I think we would always, yeah, we're French toast people. Yeah. yeah. But we, we love our waffles. We have a waffle iron. This is an interesting question. What things in Bollywood movies match with the stereotypical portrayal of Indians in Hollywood movies? So... This is a tough question because there honestly aren't that many Indian people Mm -hmm. in Hollywood movies. But what you get is often kind of nerdy engineer type guys. Mm -hmm. And I do think that you get a strain of that in so many movies about going to IIT or that kind of thing. Or the idea of STEM as being the be-all end-all of an education. I think there's also sort of religious aspects like gurus and stuff like that. Or I'm also thinking Temple of Doom. Mm -hmm. Um there's like the importance of religion in everyday life <laughs> to put it mildly i think that is something that you know does come up fairly often in actual hindi cinema one thing i find interesting is that in hollywood movies indian women are often portrayed as like or can often be portrayed as kind of like sexually liberated that whole kama sutra thing and like yeah. look how flexible i am because of the yoga that I do. Yeah. Um, but in Bollywood films, it's often white women who are portrayed as being yeah. like more immoral. Yeah. Looser. Uh, so I think, or the, the Western woman, I think of um, like Lisa Hayden in uh, Queen, though there it's not necessarily portrayed as being negative, but as uh, Topeka Padukone in Cocktail, they're kind of portrayed as being like more corrupted. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's kind of a, a difference yeah yeah that that's a difficult question because honestly there aren't really that many indians in hollywood movies to even be stereotypical yeah i mean i but though i will say that bollywood does often show um muslim people to be terrorists 
which is something that Bollywood does as well. Yeah, that that Hollywood does. Yeah, that's that's something they have in common. Yeah, yeah. Um, As people who didn't grow up with Bollywood, what films would you recommend to introduce someone else to Bollywood? This is from Mahin. Um, Again, I... People disagree with us, but I think Om Shanti Om. I wrote an, uh, a, a small piece for Film Companion about why. I think, yes, if you And you were going, one of many who suggested it. Uh, yeah, yeah, which just only kind of further um, proved to me that it's a good choice. Yeah. Um, yes, going in, you won't understand a lot of the references, but I don't think it's matter. It matters. Growing up, did you understand all the references that The Simpsons were making to things like Citizen Kane? No. No. But it made me interested in finding out, like, what does that mean? Why, why is Bobo? Yeah. What is that? I think Om Shanti Om teaches you how to watch a Bollywood film. And also, it's the most Bollywood thing that exists. And I think sometimes leaning into people's expectations about something can be a good thing. Yeah. Uh, I, I think there's a tendency to want to show something that... Realistic. Yeah, that is is maybe not what people are expecting from Bollywood. But I think sometimes the best way to kind of get someone engaged is to show them what they are expecting because that's what they want. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my answer, I have two. Um, one is the high art answer. And I think it's Lagan. Mm. I mean, I think if someone is interested in, say, Seven Samurai or baseball movies, you can show them yeah. Lagan and say, like, look, this is a nation building experiment. Same way as Seven Samurai is. You're getting guys from different parts of the country, different classes. And also it's a sports movie. Uh that's mm-hmm. something I think you can get. Uh, and I also, let me know what you think of this one, Commando. Um, oh, I thought you were going to say Ram Leela. No, no. Ram Leela is a good one. Ram Leela's got the Shakespeare aspect. It's very colorful and cool. I think that um, genre audiences are I, shockingly I, I, more interested in foreign films than yeah, um, average audiences because we... Uh, when we say genre audiences, we're talking like the Fantasia crowd. So people yeah. interested in horror films and yeah. action films. Because um, it recently closed down, sadly, but we had a yearly uh, horror movie festival called Dead Fest, mm-hmm. and they would show movies from all over the world, all sorts of different kinds of film yeah. um, uh, uh, traditions. And if you like blood and guts, you like murderers, you like wolfmen, you like all kinds of stuff, you... Uh, People who attended those screenings seemed to be interested in whatever country was putting out because they just like that kind of movie. Yeah, and I would say Commando is like, if you like Rambo, check out Commando. It's good. Yeah, and I think like that, like the genre crowd is also one of the ways that we also got into interested in in international cinema. Anime. They love, yeah, Korean and Japanese horror films for good reason. They're yeah, yeah. But that's the secret. If you want to introduce someone to Bollywood and they like. You know, Arnold Schwarzenegger movies, go Vija Jamal. Or mm-hmm. they like horror movies, you know, or they like gangster movies especially. If they like Scorsese movies, try some Annual Cash Up, you know? Or try Bombay Velvet, which is edited by Thelma Schumacher. Like, yeah. I, I mean, the broad answer for me is Om Shanti Om. But mm-hmm. if you really want to get like someone you know interested in Bollywood, find out what they like and then find the correlation in Bollywood. Yeah. It's... It's a gigantic industry. There will be something that matches, and yeah. it's probably going to be good. Because I certainly wouldn't recommend Om Shanti Om to everyone. Yeah. Um, Mahan also asks, is there anything to avoid early on? I think broad comedies. Yes. 
um, because I don't think they translate well. Comedy can be very specific. And so I really hated Akshay Kumar at first because I just saw him in these really broad, lazy comedies. I've, I, I have an appreciation for him as an actor now, but it took a while. Yeah, uh, I would say that, yes, anything that requires on verbal sparring and yeah. puns and things, that is not going to translate. Yeah. Um, but also, uh, I think that some Western audiences might be a little bit appalled by uh, religious stuff. Mm. Uh, some of that might not work. I do tend to warn people um, when they see Bahubali for the first time that the tribe at the end is a little... It, it feels problematic to us in the West. Yeah. The yeah. kind of click language thing. Uh, that's a little racist. Um, yeah. Similarly, do you guys wish you'd seen some films in a different order from which you actually did? Uh, no. Not really. Uh, I wish I'd seen uh, DDLJ before I saw Humpty Sharmaki Dilhania. But that's kind of about it. I think, you know, the way pop culture works now... And I remember this from from university. You know, we'd see like double indemnity, and people would say like, "Oh, that reminds me of the Cohen brothers." And mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, exactly. Why do you think that is? You don't you don't engage with popular culture in kind of a in the order it came out. In, yeah, in the order it came out, you don't engage with it kind of linearly. Pop culture from the past. Yeah. So while we are engaging with new Bollywood movies in a chronological fashion, we would never be able to do that with older films. Life just doesn't work like that. Pop culture just doesn't work like that. So, and that's one of the reasons why I don't think you need to have seen a lot of Bollywood films to see Om Shanti Om. If you like Om Shanti Om and then you see more Bollywood films, you'll start to to see the callbacks. You'll start to see the references. And you'll go back to Om Shanti Om later and think like, oh man, I didn't even realize that. And, and then you'll, you'll appreciate a, it even more. Exactly. You'll have a deeper appreciation for it. I mentioned, yes. I'm mentioning The Simpsons a lot, partly because we just got Disney Plus and we've been rewatching it. But The Simpsons... They reference everything, yeah. and so it really becomes like this textbook for pop culture that came before it. There's a concept in English literature studies known as the ideal reader, mm. and that would be like if you're Jane Austen, you're writing Pride and Prejudice. Who's the person who's gonna get it? Right. And there's a like usually a pretty small subset of person. The ideal reader for The Simpsons would have to be like. <laughs> a, a, a super genius to get every single thing that they mention yeah. or the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen is the one I wrote my uh, mm. paper on like there's very few people on the planet who will be able to get that so don't feel like you're dumb if you don't get every joke or every reference because like, not everyone is going to and I remind people that like children like when when a kid watches Zootopia they're not going to get like the Godfather gangster reference in it. Yeah. Um, in the way that, or the Breaking Bad reference in it. They shouldn't get the Breaking Bad reference in it. The way that we would. It doesn't mean they enjoy it less. Yeah. Remember what Grant Morrison said about uh, um, superhero costumes and <clears throat> someone saying, like, why isn't there a zipper on Spider Man's costume? Kids get it. They know it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. How does Spider Man put his costume on? Who cares? Just watch the Spider Man movie. Uh, this is a great question from Bali Litza. Which Jody do you like more? Anil Kapoor Madurai Dixit or Anil Kapoor Jackie Shroff? I'm Anil Jackie. You're Anil Madurai. Yeah. I love. I, I mean, I love Anil Kapoor. I mean, they're. Uh, but I love Anil Kapoor Madurai Dixit. Yeah, I agree. I think they're great. I just love the, uh, the way that Anil and Jackie, you can put them in any sort of situation. Yeah. Like they could be brothers. Do you love that song where they're dressed up as babies? They could be babies. <laughs> or they could be in 1942 in like kind of romantic, uh, you know, opposites. I just think they work. But Anil Kapoor, Madhuri Dixit's like 
Just a hair lower for me. Uh, what do you think sets Indian films apart from North American Western films? Uh, like I mentioned, this is Morgan Siesta. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, I think that there's a reverence for film history that is not always present in Hollywood cinema. Um, I think that the uh, choreography, for one, but the cinematography and uh, mise-en-scene in Hindi cinema for like a Bonsali picture, that kind of thing, is among the greatest in the planet. The colors, the um, just the scenes that you're able to see in a film yeah. are... Uh, second to none. That isn't to say that every movie is like that. Some of them are pretty boring to watch visually. But when done correctly, you can get a wider range of visual stimuli than you might in Hollywood films. I guess the two things for me I would point out is that generally uh, Indian films have a six-act structure. Not all of them, but Bollywood films do. Um, as opposed to a three-act structure. And they are often driven more by emotional logic yeah. than by narrative logic. Even between movies. Or, yeah. Sequels may not... The Boggy films, for example. Yeah, it's not kind of the action that drives the plot so much as the emotion that yeah. drives the plot, which I find interesting. Uh, Devin Bruce, Past and Future Guest. Who would play Elle Woods in the Hindi remake of Legally Blonde? This is a very difficult question for her, and she has not seen Legally I've Blonde. I've never seen Legally Blonde. I'm pretty sure this, like, shocks Devin. <laughs> um, uh, you had a good answer for this, though. My gut response is Lisa Hayden. I, think I also gonna... think that Katrina Kaif would do a great job. Yeah. I would also be interested in seeing her blonde, actually. Yeah. Uh, I really like the Lisa Hayden answer. Uh, I, I would like to see her in more. I think she's a great comedian. Katrina Kaif is also a great comedian. Uh, I guess, like, the obvious answer would be Sonam Kapoor because she did the kind of Clueless slash Emma take with Aisha. Yeah. Uh, also, Ali Abbott would be really good. I think you kind of need dumb but also striving for that character, Al Woods. I think I think, I think think you're on to something. She's like a Hayden. dumb blonde, but, like, actually she's smart and will do the work. It's just that she didn't go to law school. Yeah. Right? I guess I also kind of want to see, like, Sayani Gupta. Yeah. After kind of seeing her in Four More Shots, Please, where she was, like, doing her courtroom thing. Yeah, she was good. Yeah. I mean, I didn't like that show, but, you know. I, no, I no, like but the you like Sayani Gupta. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, All right, the last two are from Karen Unland. These the, are fun questions, too. Uh, head of the Alberta Podcast Network. Of all the Bollywood movies you've seen, which have depicted Canada most accurately, and which depictions of Canada have been the most entertaining, regardless of accuracy? God, I don't think any of them have, like accurately depicted Canada. You know, we have never actually seen all of um, Humko Diwana Karge, yeah. but I will say their depiction of West Edmonton Mall, uh, pretty similar to us going to West Edmonton Mall. Okay, Sanam Ray. <laughs> L- hear me out. The cinematography of Waterton Lakes, Calgary, and Cardston, or whatever that town is that you can go to, and it's like a western Strathmore. town. Strathmore. Strathmore. Yeah, not bad. <laughs> Some of the things that happen there, stupid. But the depiction of Mounties. Yeah, very dumb. But like, I think visually and the hoodoos and stuff, like, you know that that movie actually took the time to show Alberta, our home, right. in a light that I recognize as familiar. It's not like an about- X. It's not like an X Men movie where they say Northern Alberta and right. it's like going to a Fight Club and watching well, Stra- Wolverine fight know. a bear or something. Their their vision of Strathmore. Is a bit, I don't know, doesn't feel bad. Um, I also think. Uh, Kaladi? 
No, that's the funny one. <laughs> Kaladi. Uh, so for fun versions of Canada, it is called uh, Kaladi on Ka Kaladi. Uh, I don't think they say it's Canada. I think they say it's New York. Right. But uh, most of that movie appears to be shot in Toronto. <laughs> um, there's like groups of old people who have underground fight matches and stuff. Uh, that, that was a fun depiction of Canada. The end of Rustem is pretty accurate. It just shows like a green field. <laughs> yeah. Um, did Shahrukh end up moving to Montreal at the end of... No, he never... He's going to get on the train, but he, he was thinking go. about doing it. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. 8x10 uh, test fear. That's my favorite. Yes, 8x10 test fear. <laughs> that's my favorite. That it's is, not accurate, but that's my favorite. Yeah. Uh, actually, Kumar as a Banff park ranger with an exceedingly very specific superpower. <laughs> that might be the funniest version of Canada. Yeah, I think that's the funniest version. All right, two hours, 43 minutes. We did it. We answered every single question. Uh, yes, thank you for everyone who's uh, kept with us. We are going to attempt to edit this down. Uh, no, I, I think we maybe take out two verbal slub, uh, flubs <laughs> and we are done. Uh, I guess a bit of a disclaimer, which maybe we should have put at the top of this instead we're putting at the end. We we didn't we sat down and answered the question, so we didn't do a lot of pre-thinking. But you don't want the rehearsed answer. You want the gut impulse. Yeah. So we might have not thought through all of our answers. But uh, yeah, we want to thank everyone who asked us a question. Uh, our next episode will be our 100th episode. We're talking about Mother India. And uh, in the meantime, Matt, how can people keep up with the show? At Bollywood Pod Twitter. At Matt underscore B-O-W-E-S. At Aaron E. Fraser. Facebook.com slash Bollywood is for lovers. Tumblr.com slash Bollywood is for lovers. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, please. Uh, if you want to send questions that we're going to take a bit more seriously, do it there. Um, and give us a five-star rating. That would be nice. Yeah, that's, that's it. it. That's it. Bam. Bam.